welcome to the 213th episode of the Random Podcast from Heck. My name is Tony, and this is the podcast about random things in a world of entertainment, which includes movies, TV shows, and comic books. Big shout out to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. And if you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from heck which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week i just finished talking about uh west coast avengers from 1989 so part of john burns run uh, the vision quest storyline so vision and scarlet witch the the strange mystery of their kids tommy and billy and, and some funny funny baby hand stuff so you can hear about that uh this coming week i'm not 100 percent sure what I'm gonna I'm gonna do a movie. I'm gonna probably do a movie for at least the next couple of weeks. And I yeah, I think I have I'm not gonna I don't wanna say anything, I don't wanna commit just yet. But there'll be a a fairly recent movie that I've never talked about before. So you can hear about that. Um, but if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash G from Heck, and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee. That is ko-fi.com slash jman from heck. Okay, this week, I have a feeling this is going to be another long... I'm trying to keep them under three hours, I'm, I'm just for my sake. And I don't know how you feel. I know some people like the longer podcast. Some people are like, do it more, you know, do it do it 18 hours a week. That'd be, be nuts. It, I'm just trying to get through as fast as I can. But of course, so Doom Patrol came back this week. I'm like, awesome. You know, I, I dig this show. And then, as after I watched the first episode, continued it, season three, episode two. I'm like, oh. and then I looked, they dropped three episodes. I'm only going to talk about two episodes because if for whatever reason you're you're behind, like if you haven't watched the second season yet, and you're still whatever, it, it's going to be a, like a long period of time if I'm talking about three episodes since I can't t- seem to talk about them briefly. So I'm going to talk about the first two. I'm going to talk about the latest uh, Titans. Wait, I did watch Titans, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, Titans was really good this week. Um, I'm going to talk about What If, Stargirl, Why the Last Man. And then the movie feature is going to be Nightbooks uh, from Netflix. So that's a Kristen Ritter movie. It came out like a week and a half ago or so. Because I know it's not totally new, and it's maybe... it was. It's, I enjoyed it. Uh, I have some things to say about that. There wasn't anything that came out in the theaters this past week. So I was like, well, what am I going to do? And I was like, and I ended up watching uh, Nightbooks last weekend. I was, and it was, it was, it was a fine movie. I was kind of, I'm a little confused as to like, who is this movie for? Because it, it, it appears to be maybe more for younger, for like kids, but some parts maybe not quite for the kids, but we'll, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> and then um, I, I'm not going to get into it this week. I don't know if I'm going to talk about it, but Star Wars uh, Visions came out. And maybe I'll talk briefly about that. Yeah, maybe I'll... Because I watched two episodes, so I, I I can throw that in there even though I wasn't planning on it. But, you know, whatever. Just make this longer, even though I'm trying not to. Let's talk about the news. Okay, so uh, there was a lot of Netflix news this past weekend. And I don't even know by the time I'm recording it if, if I got everything. I haven't been able to, to check out everything. I'm trying to do it. You know, Netflix had two them. I don't even know what this is. Uh, some like global fan thing, and they're just sh- not making a bunch of announcements, which is cool because there, there's there's some cool announcements. Like I know a lot of people are 
waiting and waiting for Stranger Things to come back. So there's this this trailer that came out, and it's weird because it's like you you get introduced to the Creel house. It's like the 1950s. I forgot the year if they said it. This family moves into this big house. They're all happy. You know they they they're standing outside the house while holding each other. Oh look at our new house! And they go and then I guess creepy things start happening. You know like one to the one of the, the the daughter. I think there's only one daughter. She comes out. There's like a dead rabbit in the front. So it's like oh here he goes. And then. Then we get like some of our our uh, the kids our, our crew our cast they're there they're investigating stuff what is going on where is this Creel house at and compared to where they live and so it was kind of interesting and I I do like the fact that it is kind of mixing up the location maybe a little bit to to give something else so it's not just more of the same yeah so I I don't know what to expect from the season but it it looked looked pretty interesting. If you're a fan of The Witcher, there was I think there was a maybe a couple clips for season two of The Witcher. I didn't I didn't watch any of them just yet. I didn't get a chance to. And uh, they're talking about like other spinoff stuff. I don't know if they're gonna, <laughs> I don't even have, I don't even have all the news in front of me. Uh, but they did also announce that season three is coming. So that that's good. Maybe because Henry Cavill there's no plans for anything Superman, which. It still just doesn't make any any sense to me there was a a clip or a trailer for extraction 2 chris hemsworth movie this is another one i didn't get a chance to watch the the, the clip i'm i'm excited for it because I, I like the first movie I, I thought it it wasn't like knock knock you down knock your socks off or whatever but i enjoyed it it was, it was a good movie he, you know he he did a good job and you know the, the story was was fine but I mean, a little predictable maybe or or whatever cookie cutter but it, it was good so i i did like that i will check out that that clip as soon as i can what um i'm excited and kind of nervous about is the the live action cowboy bebop so that comes out kind of soon november 19th and you know, I like John Cho. Uh, he looks. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. When I look at him, maybe I haven't looked looked closely. Even though the images have been around, I, I posted uh, an article about this on EntertainmentFish.com. But I haven't really like sat and like really looked at this. And there, there's this clip that I, I'm I'm talking about, or whatever you want to call it. And uh, I don't know. We'll we'll see. I'm sure it's gonna be cool. So what what they released was sort of like a recreation of the opening. So if you've ever watched Cowboy Bebop, I mean, I think it's it's a great anime of the the current anime stuff because I'm so far behind. I it's it's one that I, I love, and maybe because there's only the 26 episodes and then there's there's a movie. I think it was 26, right? It it, it makes it easier to to grasp a hold of it versus. You know some of these other ones that are like you know hundred episodes or whatever, and it's just like, well, how am I ever going to watch all these? And then it's it's intimidating. So I know there's a lot of good stuff, but again, my my anime love goes back to Speed Racer and Gotcha Man or Battle of the Planets, as I was introduced as a kid when it was Americanized and edited. Oh my gosh, it's so different. Seven Zark Seven, I shake my fist at you because you're so annoying. But I guess he was important for the editing and everything. So I, I love Gotcha Man and Speed Racer. So Cowboy Bebop of the the cur- more current, you know, compared to those, it it looks good. So the the intro recreation, it's it's pretty cool how they and it it shows that they're they're taking the the, the care to do that. There were some parts in in the clips like scenes of cars because 
you don't really have cars in Cowboy Bebop because, you know, this is like, I forget the year, but it's, you know, in the future, it's like all spaceships and space stuff and there's no like regular cars. So, and it looked like they had like regular guns, which I, maybe, do they have regular guns? It didn't really feel like it. Anyways, now my memory is like, I don't know what I'm talking about, but I'm nervous, but hopefully it's, it's going to be, going to be really cool. We'll, we'll see. Uh, there's also a Super Crooks like anime that's coming out. So this is Mark Miller. So there's Super Crooks comic. Um, this is a little weird because you know they they talked about doing a live action Super Crooks, which was sort of like a, a spin off from Jupiter's Legacy. It's like in the same world. But I hope does this mean is it still happening? Is it just I mean, we'll we'll have to see. So the 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 clip the trailer thing that came out. It it was interesting, not what I expected. I was like, oh, super crooks, and then I was like, oh, okay, this is this is interesting to see. Well, yeah, I I don't know anything else. What else to say about that? Um, earlier before all this uh tutum whatever stuff, Netflix announced was it this past week or was it early? I think it was this past week. They acquired the the rolled rolled doll library, I guess. Um, so you know he did. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. He did a what was a big, big friendly giant, <laughs> BFG, big, big friendly giant, and other stuff. So there, I mean, we're gonna get a new Willy or Charlie and the Chocolate Factory or Willy Wonka or whatever. And I, although is this now, I'm I'm starting to like question again my memory because I'm always doing this. Wasn't there talk of like a Willy Wonka prequel? And because I was like, who who asked for this? Who wants this? Is that through Netflix or was that before? I don't remember when when that was. I could see. I could easily pause and look it up, but to me that just feels disgenuine. Disgenuine, whatever. If I, I yeah, so whatever. I don't remember what I said before, but we have that to look forward to. Um, some unfortunate news. Not, I mean, it's not unfortunate. It's kind of bummer news. So with Secret Invasion into works at Disney Plus, you know, we're excited. I'm, I'm assuming the fellow Marvel fans, MCU fans are excited for this. But the what the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. fans have been hoping for is that we'll get some of our characters back. Like maybe we'll see Chloe Bennett as Quake. Maybe we'll see Ming-Na Wen as agent may or maybe we'll get fits and you know we'll get something because there's a whole thing of you know was agents of shield canon or not and it just it's it's irritating as a big fan because as as big as as hardcore as the fan was you know they they build it as it's all connected and everything you know they did all this stuff and then marvel studios kept just like crapping all over them even though they were trying to do their best to promote the movies and yeah it's it was to their advantage to tie into the movies you know to to make that connection and try to get you know people to watch the show and all that but it it just it just seems really crappy where like after all this time it's like nope it, that doesn't matter it's fake and and I know it's not necessarily fake because you know we had you know all of these seasons eight was it eight seasons now I'm saying again my memory five six seven was this I think it was seven seasons yeah because it's been eight years whatever so we had all these glorious episodes and you know maybe a couple of not so glorious but you know there, there's a, a lot of great character development they did a lot of great stuff 
And, and then it's just, you know, so yeah, we can say we had that, we still have that, we can revisit and everything. But then just to say, well, it, it's not real or it doesn't, I don't know. And I mean, I guess if it's a multiverse, you know, you, you can do that. But the fact that we have Coulson in there, but since like uh, Loki and everything else, like no one's acknowledging, no one's ever acknowledged that Coulson came back, you know, and, and that's something that I've, I asked Clark Gregg before in a numerous time I've interviewed. It's like, so do the Avengers know you're back? Because it was just kind of weird. But we've had, you know, Nick Fury. We had Maria Hill. We had Sif. Who else do we have? I feel like we had someone else from from the episode. But you get... So anyways, um, long story short, Chloe Bennett finally uh, went to, uh, you know, Instagram stories. And she's like, dudes, dudes, dudettes, do anyone's... <laughs> She's like, I have nothing to do with Secret Invasion. I don't know anything about it. I'm not part of it. I'm not doing that. Because she says that, you know, she's getting people all the time coming up to her and asking. And it's because, you know, we want to see her back as, as that character. Because, you know, we have such fondness for that. And I'm not including me. I've never gone up to her and asked her because I've never ran into her. But she, you know, she said, she was probably joking, but maybe not. Like, you know, she's in a store, like in a tampon aisle. And someone's like, are you going to be in Secret Invasion? So, you know, you, you have to learn boundaries. You know, when someone's on their own time, you don't just go up to them, whatever. So she's like, no, I'm not in it. She's like, Sorry. I'm not doing, but then the the big question is if she's not in it, then what is she working on? Because, you know, there's been a no announcements and, you know, all these things are kind of, kind of secret and all that, but she had to drop out of the live action Powerpuff Girls because of some sort of scheduling conflicts. What, what other scheduling conflict that made me, and I'm sure several others like, Hmm, she can't do Powerpuff Girls, she, which was weird. She can't reshoot the pilot, whatever, because she's going to be doing Secret Invasion, right? But apparently not. It's still possible where, you know, is this some sort of bamboozle? You know, it maybe, I don't know how far they are with the, with the filming or anything, but then maybe they're like, okay, let's throw these, these Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. fans a bone will bring her in, you know, episode three. And because, you know, who knows if they're even filming in order, if, if it matters, if, you know, they could change, you know, whatever. I'm, I'm, see, I'm still hopeful, even though she's like, I'm not in it. But I was like, I don't want to believe you. I still want to hold on to my hopes. And it's not going to be until after we watch all the episodes and be like, dang it, she's not in it. There's no one from, from me. <sighs> Man, so. And I said, so that you do we give up hope? I don't want to. <laughs> um, speaking of giving up hope or not giving up hope, <laughs> so Doctor Who fans, uh, there's going to be a new showrunner after the next season. So we still have one more season of Jodie Whittaker, one more season of Chris Chibnall. Uh, and then in 2023, a man by the name of Russell T. Davies is coming back. So Russell T. Davies, as you may or may not know, he's the one that, that really like rejuvenated Doctor Who. You know, he, he gave us... Christopher Eccleston, right, and David Tennant, and just really—I I don't know how, how, what, if it was just luck. I mean, so many good stuff came out from his 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 uh, his time as a showrunner, and and he's coming back now. I don't want to like poop on on the current Doctor Who or anything like that. I've made it clear how I feel about Doctor Who now being a woman. Yeah, you know, I'm not trying to say it as you know being sexist. But to me, it just, it doesn't make sense. And yes, he's an alien, an alien that regenerates his body. But the fact that he was 
well over a thousand years old. I don't even know how old he is now because with the Matt Smith, I'm so confused with how much time he spent in that Christmas planet or whatever. So uh, with all his, you know, 13 whatever lives, he's never changed into a woman. And now all of a sudden he's a woman. And, you know, we've seen the Time Lords. There are female Time Lords. You know, there is Romana, which I I still say, what you know, what I, I, and I tried looking up. It's like, what happened to Romana? How come we haven't seen her, you know? It just seems weird. I get that you wanted to, instead of having dudes all the time, but do a spin-off, do another show. You know, why change the one character? And, you know, we had Romana. You could have someone else. You can do something. You know, and it's the same thing like, oh, let's let's make the master into a woman. You know, Michelle Gomez is is awesome at everything she's doing, which I'm going to talk about her in one of the shows this week. But anyways, that's, that's how I feel. But that being said... Uh, you know, as as even though I'm against the idea, I'm not going to say, "Oh, I, I'm not going, I'm never going to watch Doctor Who again." Yeah, you know, I never said that. I was watching it. I forget how many I watched. I watched maybe, I'm thinking like maybe three or four. It has. I I like Jodie Whittaker. So I mentioned, you know, she was in. Now I'm totally forgetting that show that David Tennant was actually in it with the but the the kid that was killed and. And they, they did an American version, and David Tennant was an American version. You know what I'm talking about? It's Jodie Whittaker. You look up Jodie Whittaker's IMDb. So she's she's a great actress. And she was fine as Doctor Who, but I don't think, you know, while these episodes, I'm not super crazy, or I wasn't super crazy about them, I still intend to watch them. And I know I need to get going. There's just so much to watch. You know, like like this morning, <laughs> tangent, I, I've, I just watched the final episode of season one of the morning show and you know that show's been out forever and you know i came on you know i, I think probably started watching it maybe like two, was it two years ago a year ago whatever when i first got apple plus uh, and because you know that's so i didn't watch it when it came out but then i i kind of thought i watched all the episodes i i think the, i thought the ninth episode was like the last one i forget how it ended but then i re- i found realized after that i was like oh there's still one more episode i was like i'll watch it and then you know season two started so i was like oh, i should probably watch so there's just so much to watch i haven't watched ted lasso uh yet i'll, I'll admit that and i know everyone loves that show i want to watch it but i feel like there's so much other stuff to to watch so uh, with Jodie Whittaker, the episodes that I watch, I don't see, I don't fault her. I kind of feel like it's more the writing. And the one thing I keep saying is how, you know, I, this is my main example. She, instead of having companions, she has friends now. And that just makes me cringe. It's like, these are my friends. It's just like, but that, yeah. So the ones that I've seen, they weren't overly like special or spectacular or anything like that. I don't want to. Like not, I think the last one I saw was the one with the, uh, the spiders. So what episode was that? I I really got got to figure this out. So I think she didn't get a fair shake, and I don't necessarily want to blame this on Chris Chibnall, but part of me wonders like, well, what would you know Jodie Whittaker Doctor Who be like under Russell T Davies? You know, could would it be the same? Would it be better? What? So, anyways, Russell T. Davies is going to be back 2023, and you know he's he's saying, "Hey, we still got one more great season. You know, this is going to be great. You know, so don't dismiss it. You know, he's looking forward to watching as a fan, and then he's going to be back for the 60th anniversary, and he'll probably be choosing a new doctor, and 
Is it going to be another woman? Is it going to be a dude? What's going to happen? Bring back Christopher Eccleston somehow. Um, you know, he probably doesn't want to do it. <laughs> Paramount Plus is, I, I don't know if this is new or not, or new news, but they're going to be doing an Aeon Flux reboot. Uh, so Aeon Flux, you know, was on Liquid TV and MTV, and then it kind of had its own show. And then they made the movie with uh, Charlie Theron. I never watched that. And I guess it wasn't really good, which is probably the reason why I probably didn't watch it. But they're doing a reboot. And actually, I don't know if it's live action. It's probably be a live action reboot. Fingers crossed, man. Let's let's hope that'll be good. Uh, so something that I, I hope is good. Fantastic Beast. I kind of have no interest in watching the next movie. I still need to, I need to rewatch a second one. I don't remember what what everything that happened. They released the title of the next one. It's coming out April 15th, 2022. And it's going to be Fantastic Beasts, The Secret of Dumbledore. So when I first saw that title, I'm like, okay, they're putting Dumbledore in a title because they need people to come and want to see this movie. Because if you're a Harry Potter fan, you put, you know, anything, you know, yes, Dumbledore has been in the other movies very briefly or whatever, but you put his name in a title, people are like, oh, crap, I need to watch that. So we'll see. I don't know. Um, Shang-Chi. 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 I'm still doing it again. Shang-Chi. It's going to be on Disney Plus on November 12th. So if you're unable to go to a theater because, one, or A, you don't feel safe, or B, your theater's not open, or whatever the reason, you have people at home that are at risk and you don't want to take the risk, you can, you'll can. you be able to watch on Disney Plus November 12th. So just a month and a half or whatever. So just hold tight. If you are a fan of the Orville, should I be a fan of the Orville? I haven't watched any episodes and I've been a little hesitant because, you know, Seth MacFarlane, you know, he, yeah, he does a lot of good stuff, but I'm not the biggest like family guy fan. So I'm just like, "Uh, I don't know, you know, and I, I know, I know it has this like hardcore audience Season three is coming. It's going to be on Hulu now instead of Fox, and it's going to premiere March tenth, twenty twenty two. So that gives me time to watch first two seasons. But should I watch the first two seasons? Is my question to you. So maybe someone will will answer. Marvel looks like they have a bunch of lawsuits to to deal with, and it's it's hard to, to you know I don't know what like position I should take on this. So we have some errors of like Stan Lee, Steve Ditko, Gene Colan in it. They're trying to sue to get the rights to the characters back because like the way it's been before in general where um, the rights can be reclaimed after a certain period of time. Marvel saying, hey, this isn't really the case. And they're saying that the, these characters were created under work for hire contracts or whatever. So it, it's really hard to say. You know who who should um, benefit off of this? So yeah, if if these legendary creators didn't create these characters, we wouldn't have all these cool movies and TV shows and you know everything that we have now. But there's also the question of how much was you know what the original creation? You know, because when we had Spider Man created and you know the Stan Lee Steve Ditko stuff, that was great, but. How much of his pop, you know, how popular was he back then? He was popular. And, you know, you look at the years and years and the stories and, you know, every, all the other creators, you know, all the other writers and artists and 
just everything. So this is like, you know, I, I think I've said this before with, with Superman, with, with, you know, Siegel and Schuster. What, you know, this popularity is the longevity. So I don't know if you can necessarily place all the popularity on original creation. Because some of these characters have evolved. You know, you look at Deadpool. Deadpool, yes, he was super popular when he first came out. But I feel like with other writers, you know, fleshing him out or doing more, you know, he's, I feel like he's not the same character that he was in the beginning. And while Spider-Man, you could say, yeah, he's still essentially the same, but just all these glorious stories that we've had. And, and, you know, San Lee wrote a lot of them, you know, he, he was a writer for, for a while, but I just, I don't know how I feel about that, that, you know, can you, how much contribution can you place to the creator? Like if you take Hawkeye, um, this is probably all the same but Hawkeye was first introduced as a villain and then with everything that's happened his redemption with the Avengers that was probably still Stan Lee right did, did Stan Lee create Hawkeye I say I don't even know I, I can't even keep track of who created who but stuff like that you know Hawkeye has evolved so much and you know he, he's he's changed and you know I don't know but at the same time you feel like you know those who created the character should get more than like a, a thank you credit at the end of a movie you know there should be some compensation but then you also look at the fact that these creators are no longer with us and then the families are saying hey we sh- we want money and yeah they should be entitled to their family legacy but it's almost like they're asking for the money even though they had nothing to do with it it was you know a relative of theirs so and and again that that's it's like such a, a gray area it's like what are they entitled to and and all that I, it just seems weird like if if my my mom or dad did something and then all of a sudden i'm like hey you know they did this before i was even born or whatever and now i i want you to give me money and uh, i don't know because i mean you look at Look like Robert Downey Jr. Iron Man. You know how much did Robert Downey Jr. If we just use this as a small example, how much did Robert Downey Jr. do to evolve Iron Man? You know to make him as popular as he is today versus what he was thirty years ago, fifteen years ago. You know before the movies came out. You know yeah he was popular. People knew who he was. He wasn't gangbusters like he is now. So you know how much of that do you accredit to Robert Downey Jr. or the different various writers from the different movies that he's appeared in? That's all I'm saying is it's it's just weird to look at. You know, you look at Deadpool's popularity. Some of that's probably due to Ryan Reynolds. Not a lot. You know, then you could also, you know, uh, moving on. So uh, that's what Marvel has to deal with. Um, I'm, I'm, again, I'm not trying to say that they're not entitled to anything. I'm just saying I just don't know how much. And if the rights like River... I, I, do they still keep the rights? I don't... All this legal stuff is just like over my head. But like, let's say, because I think some of it, it, it's like pulling Spider-Man out of the Marvel Universe or the MCU or whatever. If that happens, who wants to read or see Spider-Man that has no connection to anything else? I mean, that's like what we had before. And it just, it feels disingenuine. That's like, that's kind of why, like, the Fantastic Four, that's not a good example. But if all of a sudden Spider-Man is no longer in the Marvel Universe... You know, if if some the the family members get the rights and then they're like, hey, we're gonna start our own company and get some other people to do it. One, who's gonna take that job? 
I mean, would you really want to say, hey, uh, hey, Marvel, <laughs> you guys lost us, but I, I really like Spider-Man, so I want to write Spider-Man now and, and do something. I think that would be kind of gutsy. <laughs> and I don't know if I'd want to read that, because not that all the editors of all time at Marvel have always had the best ideas with Spider-Man, but it just, if you're you're going to take him out of the sandbox, then you're losing so much and and maybe he comes with you know his all his rogues gallery and all this stuff but i don't know if i'd i wouldn't want to read a, a spider-man comic if all of a sudden he could never interact with any of the other you know marvel heroes because that just would seem like kind of cold and, and isolated so i don't know um one thing i think i forgot to mention last week i don't think no if i did but there's been some news about Hitmonkey. Speaking of Marvel, Marvel's Hitmonkey that's gonna be on Hulu. One, I've never, I was never a big, big fan of of Hitmonkey to begin with. So, and when they said they were gonna do like a, a Hitmonkey show, an animated show, I'm like, why? I just don't like. I don't don't, don't care for Hitmonkey. But now they're they're changing his origin because I don't remember what it was originally. Now, so there's an assassin. Did his essence somehow spill into a monkey? But now they're changing it where the assassin was like injured and this monkey, I don't know, was he is was he a tribe like special monkey? But he was like kind of nursing the hitman back and then he decides to take <laughs> I don't know what's going on. But even what's maybe possibly worse, it was announced there's gonna be a Super Mario Brothers movie. Great, right? Awesome. But then you hear, who's going to be Mario? Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt is fine. But is this going to... It, it's Emmett from the Lego movie. Um, Star-Lord. Uh, what's his name from Onward? It's he. He's Chris Pratt in all of these movies. He sounds the same. He doesn't try mixing things up. And now he's gonna be Mario. Is is Mario gonna sound just like Chris Pratt, or is he gonna try to talk like like it's a me, Mario? Or is he just gonna be like, hey, I'm Mario? It's like, don't do that. I don't want Chris Pratt, Mario. And then Anya Taylor Joy is gonna be Princess Peach. Okay, that you know that I I'm fine with that because when I think of Princess Peach, yeah, you you think of her like, oh, Mario, you know, for whatever. I'm fine with that. Um, but then Charlie Day is going to be Luigi. Jack Black is going to be Bowser. Ugh. Keegan-Michael K is Toad. Seth Rogen is Donkey Kong. Um, Fred Armisen, I guess, is Cranky Kong. Kevin Michael Richardson is Kamek. And Sebastian uh, Maniscalco is Spike. So my biggest problem with this, besides the fact that it's Chris Pratt, is another... CG what an animated character is there are so many amazing and talented voice actors who don't get a chance to do this because they're like hey let's cast all these big actors to get people to go even though you're not going to be able to see them but we'll we'll release some some footage of them in a recording booth you know reading their lines so it's just it just seems like a, a it's 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 not right that you know there are people that this it's their living they're losing their jobs i mean like i don't know how accurate just i i tried looking it up but supposedly like there was a word or report reportedly supposedly 
the original voice actress i don't even know her name because that's how how crappy things are the the voice actress that the voice of lola bunny in space jam or whatever and, and probably other stuff i read that like she recorded lines for the new space jam but then they decided like, hey let's use zendaya instead and again nothing in zendaya zendaya she's you know she's an awesome actor actress i say i like saying actor yeah, so there you go. Super Mario Brothers. It's a not a me. It's a Chris Pratt. <laughs> and that's your extended portion of news, even though I didn't want to do long news. Okay, with comic books, let's see how, how if I can... I want to go quickly, but I don't want to shortchange anyone on the comics coverage, but we'll, we'll see. Um, and plus, I, I feel like it's been so long since I've read these books. Because, again, it's not a secret. I don't think I've said it. Some of these comics I read before they they release. I get early access to some of them. And, and yeah. So, anyways. At Image, uh, King Spawn 2 came out. I didn't, I didn't read it. I didn't read the first one. I still haven't read the first one. I started reading it and then stopped. So, that's out. I do want to read it, but, yeah, it just... I, I don't know. Old Guard Tales Through Time, issue 6, came out. I started reading this... <laughs> I don't remember if I finished it or not, but I wanted to like this series more than I did. And again, I think it's cool to see these other stories with the characters because they're immortal. They've had all these different lives and adventures, so that's cool. Um, but some of them I, I like more than others. Some other, you know, some of them were just, eh, you know, for for me that's how it felt. Radiant Black uh, issue eight came out, so this is Kyle Higgins, you know, written by Kyle Higgins, and. What's weird about this, what's cool about this, and, you know, I didn't really think about it in, in the beginning, but so, you know, these people kind of come across these suits. We're seeing these different, like, people with these, like, alien, what, where are these suits, what's powering these suits or whatever, but it's almost like they're Power Rangers, but not Power Rangers. I mean, there's no, like, giant mecha robot dinosaur anything, whatever, but, they, you know, they, they're one one person was like gravely injured and then you know we we kind of got the story of some of the other ones so it's it's really interesting that it's not what it's not what the i thought the series was going to be like when you read the first issue or the second issue so i i really like that kyle higgins is taking these risks and he's able to take the risks because he's a creator and you know this is its own separate thing so you know we're, we're seeing all these different people who have these suits and they're kind of facing off someone else so that you know there's things aren't gonna be all fun in games and so yeah it, it's just it's really really cool like what what's going on here then we have Stillwater um issue 10 so this is by chip sadarsky and ramon perez so the story of Stillwater is this in this town you're you don't age you're basically immortal the town people are are kind of sort of being held captive by the powers that be, by those who took power because they don't want the secret to get out. If the secret gets out, then you know they other government or whoever might like let's decide dissect these people. You know why aren't they aging or whatever? And so there's just been like this power struggle, you know, for for power, you know, trying to take over. And then there's also the fact that the kids, like they've been living there for years, and they're still kids. And some of them, like they just want to, they just want to get out, but they want to control that because, I guess the the hesitation is if someone leaves, what if they accidentally, 
spill the beans or you know how can you know how can they explain who they are you know they, if they don't have a birth certificate or whatever or their birth certificate says they're born you know 20 years ago but they're only look like they're that's not a good example like if they only look like they're five or whatever so there's some some interesting things going on there and so yeah you should be reading that that texas blood issue 10 came out i'm still not cut up vinyl issue four I feel like I read that, but now I'm not remembering what's going on. This is just such a weird comic, and you know, there's like all these different killers. And after the last in issue three, there was like a big reveal about the the main killer and like why, kind of like why he uses. He's always listening to music when when he kills or when when he's out there. And uh, his uh, spoiler, his his player was broken and then that's when we made the discovery like uh this isn't good because like can he still can he still uh operate the way he did before and and stuff like that so some interesting things going on there um gi joe real american hero 286 came out i'm still need to get caught up on that and i keep looking so i'm look i i look at the, the the previews list to see when comics came out and I keep looking at Transformers, like I feel like I've I probably missed Transformers Back to the Future, right? I doubt that they're like that delayed. So I need to track those down if they have come out. At Boom, I didn't read anything. Okay, I'm trying to look at okay, I didn't there's nothing that I'm reading here that I missed. I was I was like worried. It's like, did I forget to read my Boom comics this week? Um then <laughs> over at DC, and what's annoying about DC is that I tried to remember what, what came out is DC is not listed on the, on the previews um, comics page. So, and then because there's no longer the DC comics app, I have to look on comiXology and I feel like that's not always organized. So hopefully I'm not going to like miss anything. The flash 774. This, this was just okay this week or this month or whatever. So we the, the the series has been focusing on Wally. So you know we have Wally, we have his kids. You know Wally has a job. He's kind of working as an engineer or whatever helping out in one of Mr. Terrific's company. And he's like all nervous this one cuz he's taking his daughter Irene to her, their first father-daughter dance. What ends up happening is this dude develops this thing and like everyone's falling asleep and he's like pulling out their dreams or nightmares and you know to get revenge because he lost his job or whatever like that it's not affecting them because of their metabolism and stuff like that so basically it's an adventure between with or it's an adventure with wally and his daughter and yeah so it's just like eh, okay that, that was fine um then we have uh, Batman 113. So we still have this fear state stuff. And my problem is, well, this is all interesting. I'm, I'm not a big Scarecrow fan. I mean, he's fine. I just, and I just never took him seriously, even though this is showing why he should be taken seriously. So, you know, I, you have to applaud that. We got a little bit, you know, and maybe also because the, Jonathan Crane is in Titans and we're seeing the big mess that he can cause there. So it's just like, I don't know, maybe between those two, I feel like it's too much Scarecrow. And here, you know, he's kind of taking over Gotham City and, you know, everyone's in fear. And with this on top of the magistrate stuff, 
you know, there's just like so much bad stuff going on down in Gotham. And my, my, it's like, why would anyone live in Gotham City when all this horrible stuff just keeps happening? And it's so, so incredibly like hardcore. You know, with the magistrates, you know, they got these curfews out, and, you know, there's this dude, he was out there, and they're like, you're past curfew. He's like, man, I'm just going to get milk. Was he really? Maybe, maybe not. But it's like, you got these armored, whatever, things flying around. You're living in a base, in a, in a police state, and they're trying to wipe out crime and just, you know, gang activity or whatever. And, you know, maybe it could be like a temporary thing. It's like, okay, we need to establish all this stuff to weed out the the criminal element or whatever but it just seems like hey man this isn't what i do we're still in the united states and i feel like my rights are being you know whatever compromised and it's just yeah it's so it's just very very hardcore and stuff but i mean that's that's gotham city for you and then there's a clown hunter oh uh, there's also there as actually connection sort of between scarecrow and Ghostmaker that they had like a run-in in the past which was was kind of interesting when, when you know batman finds out about this then we have nightwing 84 and this fortunately unfortunately ties into the fear state stuff you know dick grayson has his hands full you know in, in blood haven he's trying to do all this stuff but then he's like, oh, crap, I got to go to help out in Gotham. And because, you know, there's a lot of crazy stuff happening. So there's some, you know, it, it's, but it, it's handled really well, you know, because Tom Taylor knows what he's doing. So it's, it was a little unfortunate that he's being so quickly pulled out of, you know, his current plot threads or whatever. And now he's going there. But at the same time, you know, it would be weird if he wasn't. You know, with all the stuff happening with Oracle, with like the Oracle getting taken over and sending out false messages, if if Dick's like, "Hey, Barbara, hey, sorry, that's had this happening," you know, you've been hanging out in my book lately, but that I'm not going to worry about that. So you got all that. Catwoman thirty five is is just it's still okay. You know, stuff's going down. Part we're seeing some of you know the fear state stuff with people wanting to take over Alleytown, you know, a little, little corner where, where Catwoman's, you know, establishing herself. We have stuff with uh penguin and who's he working with? He, he's working with Riddler. That was it. Or, you know, they, they want to, you know, try to take advantage of all the chaos or, you know, all the, all the, the stuff going on. And yeah. And then there's uh, some stuff with uh, how Catwoman's sister, you know, someone t- took a shot at her. You know, what does that mean? And, and stuff like that. Uh, we have Batman the Detective, issue five. So this is also Tom Taylor. This is, you know, set in the near future. Andy Kubert doing art. And, you know, there's this organization that's basically going around trying to kill all the people who Batman has saved. So we're, we're getting, a, it's like, why? It's like, why do you have such a problem with that? We get some more answers here. So it's, it is kind of interesting and in, in seeing like what happens. And so, yeah, there, uh, there's some, one thing is like one little connection. It's like, really? It's like, okay, that's kind of convenient, but uh, it, it's kind of interesting there. Supergirl, uh, Woman of Tomorrow, issue four. I just flipped through this um, and... There, there, one one piece of dialogue I did catch where there is mentioned like maybe it's possible to save crypto or something like that. 
<laughs> and I will swore. I try not to swear. I'm not against swearing, but I'm trying to keep the podcast PG-13 or whatever. In case if you're listening, if your kids are in the car or in the room or whatever, <laughs> this comic makes me... You don't kill crypto. I'm not getting started on that. That's, I should get that like on a t-shirt. You don't kill crypto. Um, Shazam issue three. I'm, I'm not loving this. So there's, you know, this is tied to the Teen Titans Academy stuff. Billy Batson, you know, Shazam's power has been, been wonky and, you know, it hasn't really been working. We found, find out, found out that the, uh, rock of eternity is missing and somehow it's in hell. So Billy's like, I'm going to hell. And he gets the help from another student who's able to open a portal or whatever. And, and they get their hands full there. And, and a Necron, dorky, weenie Necron shows up. So there's some some bad stuff. But uh, he's just about at the Rock of Eternity. Does this mean anything? What's going to happen with Shazam? And But it's just, I don't know. If, if something just feels off about it. And I don't know. Aquaman, the Becoming issue one came out. I did not read this, and um, I, I know I should read this. I, I'm I'm interested in the Jackson Hyde character. I'll be totally honest. My main concern is that this is you know Jackson Hyde is gay. Awesome. Again, you know how I feel. I I love the representation. I love the fact that we can have books like this or with characters like this, whereas even just a few years ago, we probably wouldn't have so much diversity. So I'm all all down for that. I have no problem reading books that have gay characters, but it just seems like a lot. And I don't know if it's just me or whatever, but it seems like whenever we have a book with gay characters, it's just so incredibly prominent that they're gay. And I'm not saying that it should be hidden. Absolutely not. But just because we have a gay character, and I'm just using gay, you know, as, as, I, don't, I don't know. I don't even know if, if it's okay just to use gay, you know, because again, I'm ignorant in, in a lot of things. But it feels like whenever we have a character who is gay, you know, or lesbian, homosexual, queer, you know, whatever you want to say, and, and I know, see, even that, that, that sounds like really, really crappy to what, what, how I just said it. I don't mean that. But it just feels like whenever you, you have one of these characters, that they they have to be depicted as making out with with someone, uh, you know, just to just to illustrate that they are who they are. And I don't think and and it, yeah, it's important and it's great that we can do that. That no one's hiding or shying away from that. But I feel like that there's more to the character than just them making out with their their significant other, you know, whoever they happen to be dating or in love with. So it just feels like it should be more than that, and. I'm hoping that hopefully soon this won't be the common thing. I just don't feel like, like, oh, here's a guy kissing a guy. Here's a girl kissing a girl. That shouldn't be what defines a character. Yes, it is a huge part of them. And again, I'm not trying to say we should hide that. But it just seems weird when that's all we have versus if, um, uh, I don't know, let's say Jason Todd gets a girlfriend. Are we going to see him making out with her all the time? You know, there might be an occasional scene, but I feel like with these other, I mean, oh, one issue that comes out, but I'll talk, the Guardians of the Galaxy issue. There's like Tommy and, and um, Tommy, Billy and um, 
Hulkling, Hulkling and Wiccan, they're like in one panel. And what are they doing? They are making out. They're all hanging out in this space bar. They're the only people making out there. I mean, it's great for them. I love the fact that they're married. That is awesome. It's like all he did. His big hat. and and it's not. I mean, that's not true. There, you know, the, the whatever last issue. I don't like the annihilation stuff, and I know I'm dipping into Marvel now. There are some cool. They were separated, and they were kind of, even though they're connected, so they're sort of fighting together, even though they're like totally separated. That's you know cool like that, and I loved what I don't remember the issue when we got like the flashback when they first met. I thought that was so great to see them. You know when they first became when they first met each other and they were friends, and then when they realized they they had feelings for each other. That's awesome. But then to put them in there one panel, there they are sitting in the booth making out. And so who does it? I maybe because I've never, I've never been like one for the PDA. Like I just never be making out whatever. I don't know. Am I approved because I don't want to make out in public? No, it just, just I don't know. So, anyways, I'm worried that Aquaman to be coming. That you know, Jackson Hyde finally, Jackson Hyde finally has his own book. Is it just going to be about him making out with a dude? Where when you know this is more. If he is going to become Aquaman now, it seems like let's let's get rid of the old characters and bring in the new ones. You know, like Jonathan. You know, we'll see. I so I need to read this. <laughs> Batman Secret Files. <laughs> I'm 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 kind of laughing and coughing because I got I just that rant just kind of wiped my throat out. I should edit out that drink, but I'm probably not going to. Um, I just have some water. Uh, Batman Secret Files Miracle Molly. This this was an interesting issue. I'm a little on the fence with Miracle Molly and is this whole um, I don't remember what what they're called now. The the place that they lived. Um, the, the unsanity collective you know it's it's there's some it, i'm curious and everything like that and you know the fact that james tynan the fourth you know created her and wrote her so i'm like okay this is kind of interesting and everything but this issue i was just like all right i'll read this uh we we find out like her backstory like you know because where did she come from you know was she wasn't obviously clearly not always miracle molly you know she wasn't born with the name miracle molly <laughs> so we do find out some stuff, and yeah, it's not not quite what I expected. I I just I guess I never really thought about this. Like, oh wow, I just assumed that you know she always lived this life and just kind of fell into this place and started cre- making things and doing all this. So it's kind of kind of interesting and all that. And then um, see now this is a problem with the Comicsology app because now I'm starting to look at. I think that is all of the DC comics for the week. So I really hope I I didn't miss anything <laughs> so then at marvel we had there's a new issue of alien which i didn't read i know i think was this the beginning of a new arc or was it last week i think this one i just i the, the first issue you know i've read the first uh, three issues maybe and it was just fine so i i don't know i feel like alien works better live action you know versus the draw it just doesn't seem to have like the same vibe if it's just a drawing and i'm not trying to knock any of the artists but you know it's i guess it's a sci-fi and horror comic sometimes you know it sometimes they don't really they're not really they don't have that vibe you know they don't really look creepy michael walsh's you know the the silver coin you know that that's something different you know he he's able to do it or you get francesco francovia doing something you know he he can you know he captures it no problem 
So with the the alien stuff, I don't know. There's something. It's just I don't know. Um, Death of Doctor Strange issue one. So when this comes, like, <laughs> I was like, what are you what are you talking about? Death of Doctor Strange. Okay, so here he's he's in the MCU movies, which the, you know doesn't necessarily dictate anything. He's got his own movie coming out or in the works, and then you're gonna kill him off. On top of the fact that I cannot stand when you kill characters off because I think it's stupid. Especially if it's a major character, I could see. Okay, you want to, you want to stupidly kill Crypto, you could probably get away with that because he, unfortunately he's not like you know front and center top tier character. He he is a side character as much as I hate to admit that. You know he doesn't have his own book. He should. I would totally read that. You know even if it was a super pets book, I I would read that every week or every month. Uh, Doctor Strange, though, he's a main character. You know, he's got his own series. He's just Strange a cat. You know, he's in different things. And then you're going to kill Doctor Strange. And uh, I will say, he does die. And this is the first issue. I, I don't even know. Is this like an. Is this limited? I don't even know how many issues. So that's all I'm going to say about that. It was a. As much as I hate comic book deaths, because I think it's. It's so annoying. You kill off a character and you bring him back, like you know, right away. It did that totally diminishes the the point of the story. It's like whatever, but he's dead, and uh, and I didn't hate the issue, even though they, they they killed him. So I'm I'm intrigued. So this could be a way where they they're handling it. You know, they want to kill a character. There is a a. a interesting way to, to go about and do that and uh, make it work so that's all I'm going to say about that I'm not going to spoil anything maybe next month or next when the next issue comes out I might spoil it but I want to give people a chance to, to experience it for themselves even if you're saying hey Tony I want spoilers I just I don't feel right doing that because I want people I need people to buy the books to support the books so we support the industry and all that Fantastic Four 36, even though we just had that like 80 page Fantastic Four comic last week that took me forever, it didn't take forever, but it felt like it took so long. And even though I enjoyed it, I don't know if I said that, we got another issue of Fantastic Four like just the next week. So with this, it's kind of the main focus on Johnny Storm. Dr. Doom <laughs> was going to get married to Victorious, this Latvian. Actually, I don't even think she was Latvian, but he gave her powers and she, she was like his emissary or his whatever, his bodyguard, and you know, he doesn't need one. They're going to get married, uh, but then Johnny Storm ends up having like a one night stand with her at one point. I forget why, why she did it, what, what was her, her reason. You know, Johnny Storm is just a jerk, and him and his sky, his his soulmate from the other planet, they got in their fight or whatever. Doctor Doom, when he found out, he was ticked off, and he, and basically he overpowered Johnny Storm. So he gave him like imbued him with all these cosmic rays. He can't turn off his flames now. He he's hotter than ever before, and I don't mean in a like sexy kind of way. <laughs> So he's trying to live with this, and and the fan Reed's trying to figure it out. You know, if he doesn't have his hands full, he can't figure out how to how to stop him. So we we get some interesting things here, and um, just as he's trying to deal, and and it it sucks, you know, because he he can't touch any, he can't do anything. At one point, a Herbie robot brings him because he he can't even eat. So a Herbie robot brought some food, and it was like 
dip to sub sub zero whatever you know so he could get a chance to take a bite or eat it before but it push goes up in flames and then he, he i think the herbie ended up dying <laughs> um gamma flight issue four i just i i don't like these characters and again i want rick jones to be put him back as a bomb I hated a bomb. I'd rather see him as a bomb than the current state that he is now. I don't still don't even understand how this happened. I totally missed it that he's like merged with this other person, and one of them there's like this head with this like super long neck, and it's just like hanging out, and the head's like upside down. And uh, <laughs> is that what I want for Rick Jones? And then and then, then Scar. I don't Scar's a bad guy now. I hate so I think this is Scar. Scar has the stupid fingers on his his face on his head cuz I think they they did that recently like I'm not recently a while back and maybe it's to make him look a little different than just like another Hulk. I don't like the, the fingers on the forehead or whatever. So I don't know. I shouldn't even bother reading this comic, but it's like I I feel like I should just at least flip through it and Guardians of the Galaxy issue eighteen. I think this is the last issue. <laughs> it's like okay, uh, they're sort of fighting Dormammu, who has taken over Ego, the living planet. So you got a giant <laughs> Dormammu, poor Ego. You know, it's, it, the whole planet is like a flaming ball, and it's not doesn't even look like a sun or anything like that. So they're they're trying to fight him. This is our part of the last annihilation. Blah, <laughs> but um. Yeah, so it's it's what what could possibly happen at the end? Um, and I already mentioned their celebration. They're sitting, you know, hanging out in a space bar, so uh, Wiccan and and Hulkling can make out. Moon Knight issue three. So Moon Knight has. I so I like this issue. I, I should just say, you know, you know, I love Moon Knight. Moon Knight has uh, created this new sort of like service in the neighborhood where he's helping people in the night and you know protecting them. They're under his protection, whatever. We saw recently there there's this other dude who also worships Kanchu or whatever, and he's like, man, Moon Knight's supposed to be the fist of Kanchu. He's not doing his job. He's uh he's being too too easy on on the evilness or whatever, and you know. Because some people like turned got turned into vampires, and he didn't immediately just kill them all. You know, he he took these victims who were turned into vampires against their will, and he's helping them out. So, and he he's really trying to put or just remind Mark who you know he's supposed to be as Moon Knight and what he's supposed to do and everything like that. But yeah, so they they get into it. So that that was interesting. Reptile issue four. I don't know how I feel about this. You know, um, Reptile is not my favorite character. Uh, I like the fact that we have this character. You know, we have a La- Latino character, but there's just parts of this this comic that just it still drives me nuts that his cousin or whatever now she's just magician because she was like read up on it and she never had like any like official instructor or whatever and and she. And plus, the fact there's supposed to be like magic has a price, and there's been no price, and and she's just able to do these. And so so like I read on the internet about magic, and I can start doing spells and open up portals and I don't know. Uh, what else? We <laughs> uh, Star Wars bounty hunters. Uh, I just kind of flipped through this because this is 
what's his name? Vance, Valance, <laughs> Valance and Dengar. And they're, they're kind of going up against Boba Fett, which is, doesn't seem like a smart idea. Symbiote, Spider-Man, Crossroads. I did not, I couldn't read this. Um, yeah, it's just, it didn't work for me. United States of Captain America, issue four. This is this was fine. I'm not super crazy, you know, meeting all these other Captain Americas. It, it's it's fine. It's cool that these people, you know, they're inspired by him and everything like that. And in the backup story, you know, we, we see more like their origin. So we, we find out about what you see on the cover. There's this woman, you know, Captain America, which is that her? Because it doesn't really look like what she was in there. But but then the, the fact actually, no, that's that's someone else. So with the the plot to like discredit Captain America and stuff like that, you know, they stole his shield and it is cool because we have Sam and we have Bucky and this issue is it on the scene on the cover? We have a yeah, US agent is in there. So there's there's some cool moments here. X Core issue five. This this series for me is okay. Uh, you know, it's, it's dealing with like the business aspects, like stuff that they're trying to do set up and, you know, with things for Krakoa, but then there's like corporate, um, corporate espionage and stuff like that. And people, you know, their whole base of operations getting attacked and getting people getting killed, but they're mutants. So it doesn't matter because, you know, they can come back and Fenris, uh, which I don't really care for them. They're like doing their, their evil things. So you have, have all, all that. Then we have um, X-Men issue three. What I didn't like was the evolutionary. The evo- Is that his name? Evolutionary? That doesn't sound right. The evolution, the high evolutionary. That's why. Yeah. The high evolutionary is here. I don't like this guy. I think he's a big dork. He's a big weenie. And what's weird is he's like, he's pretty formidable here. But then I feel like he, like, he was just in Spider-Woman and he was just like a normal, like nothing in there. That just felt a little weird. And I mean, maybe I'm missing something or whatever. But yeah, so it was a big fight against him. And I mean, there are some cool moments, you know, don't don't get me wrong. I, I did like it, but I just don't really like High Evolutionary. Uh, but there's some interesting things that come up out of this. X-Men Legends issue 7. This was, this was fine. Um, you know, it's Larry Hama and Billy Tan. And it goes back to Larry ha- during Larry Hama's run. You know, we have uh, Wolverine and Jubilee, and um, and then we have uh, what's Asoko Asuko? What's no? What's her name? She's always in. It. I was like, I had. I was like, I, she's going to be in this comic, and she was. And then you know, we have Lady Deathstrike and and stuff. Um, there's uh, like mutants are getting taken, and you know whatever so they're, they're trying to put a stop to it so there's some some cool moments but it was it was just okay and then uh x-men onslaught revelation yeah i i didn't didn't like love this issue and this is kind of continuation with the stuff with with nightcrawler and legion did you know how we feel about legion maybe and uh with uh lost and um what's his fabian cortez and uh pixie so we have all these characters here but there's um the the big question about when characters die like or characters when when mutants die and you know how is this somehow feeding onslaught and like what's going on here and so whatever let's uh we should just like leave 
onslaught in the past. Let's not bring him back. Let's not mention him ever again. Let's just move on. And I think we're going to move on because that's going to be comics for the week. All right, with Why the Last Man, Season 1, Episode 4, Karen and Benji. So when I first watched I was like, what the heck's that title mean? It's like Karen and Benji. So it's always interesting when, when you get a show like that, some weird title, and you're like, you know, you're waiting and waiting, and then you finally like find it like, oh, that's what, where that name came from. So it starts off, we see uh, this woman on a, st- on a stage singing with a big band and everything like that. So I don't know if it was supposed to be 355's mom or who, whatever, because then she's like walking in the woods with it in a daze, and then she like almost walks off a cliff because she's like kind of like singing a song or whatever. Because at first I was like, that's not her. And so it was like, yeah, it was like weird. And then we see uh, Yorick's talking to 355 about Ampersand, and they're out in the woods, and you know, they, they camped out there. She's kind of going through the stuff, figuring out what they can use or trade. I almost feel like, wait, it's like they were just in helicopters. Like, what's going on? How are they camping now or whatever? And then um, he's surprised because he's asked like what he should call her something like that or he finds out that her name isn't agent i forget what what the last name was or whatever and he's like well what should i call you and, and she's like well call me 355 or whatever and he's like call me trapezoid he's like what's going on and he's like my mom told me you were in in this you know super secret spy thing or whatever then he says you know maybe they should have gotten closer to boston before ditching their ride so you know they they got rid of the, the helicopter and she says it was too visible because it was the only light in the sky they have to keep a low profile, and she says that when they realize the two helicopters are missing, they'll be looking for the two missing pilots who stole them. So then he's silent at this, so he must realize that okay, she caused their helicopter to blow up, and you know they're supposed to be the scapegoat so they could escape. Then we see Hero and Sam. They go to this, this random house. Uh, Hero's feet are killing her. Sam's like really cautious about going there. Um, you know, he doesn't want to go there. So Sam, as you know, he's transitioning, you know, whatever. Not not that that matters, but that's how. Because at first I was like, how come he didn't die? He's a dude. But um, he's, he's taking t- testosterone injections. So he's like kind of really nervous and cautious and everything. And, and wondering how he's, you know, there's like no smell of bodies. And, you know, so it's like that means that people didn't just die there. So it's like, you know, could they be coming back or whatever? And I think they say something about being out of Pennsylvania soon. She talks about how she used to have a writing coach named Karen. And she had a son who was homeschooled and his name was Benji. So there's the the title. They go into this barn and then there's this Cadillac there. So Sam wants to drive it. But Hero's like, there's no point. She's like, we'd get half a mile and hit a pile up. And Sam's like, they're clearing them up or whatever. Because I don't know if you heard on the news or radio or something like that. Hero just wants a a night to rest. And so they they make a fire. They smoke a joint. Then she tells Sam that she was with Mike, her partner, when I guess when he died, whatever. And... uh, so then Sam's like, well, at least he died happy, but that wasn't quite, she doesn't like tell him like that they got in a fight and that, you know, she, whatever, threw something at or he, that caused him like to, to die, you know, whatever. Um, then hero says that Jennifer will know where she was or whatever. And, you know, she told her about Mike when she was drunk and she'll say that, you know, she's selfish and self-destructive and everything like that. And after, uh, Sam falls asleep on a couch, hero goes back out to the barn. So it's just like, she seems like she's kind of being sneaky or whatever. York lies in a tent watching a video of Beth on his phone. 355 comes back from running 
and she tells him take his clothes off because there's a river and she'll wash everything and he's like nah i'm cool or whatever and she's like you smell like ass and monkey and he's like well it's cold out here or whatever and she's just like looking at him then he's like well why don't you turn around and she's like are you serious <laughs> so sam's in a barn and then he's sam's like yelling like what the you know what the f and where and heroes outside and then you know walks back so later they're in a store and so it's like wait what just happened the store is pretty much you know picked over this red ball kind of bounces by so there's like there's someone there then hero finds mac mckenzie so nora's daughter who worked with the, the president before she's like lying on this like shelf and she sees that her leg is is hurt and she tells her she's work in an ambulance and then nora comes like running up with an axe and she yells him get the f away and you know she uh hero tries calming her down and sam comes like from behind grabs the axe away hero asks sam to to find some gauze or sailing or whatever and hero's like saying is like her leg is infected hero asks you know where they're staying but you know they don't say anything and then she's like well i know a place it's safe and sam kind of like glares at her or whatever and you know she says she's like she has to rest whatever you know because you know with her leg and everything like that so 355 is washing the clothes and then she sees a rabbit so she's like you know about to shoot it so you know they can get something to eat whatever and then she like hears something so there's some people at the tent going through their stuff so she's like where the heck is is york at and then she just comes up and she's like can i help you and she like startled them so there's you know two women obviously and they're like oh we didn't know anyone was here and then they ask if she's alone because there's two tents and she's like, yeah, I'm with my sister. She's down by the river. And then uh, 355 asked one of them if they served. And she's like, what? Because she's like, your jacket. She's wearing like an army jacket. She's like, no, I found it. And then the other sees a carrier. She's like, do you have a dog or something? I don't know if there's any animals, if all the animals died off or it was just the male animals. But she said that, well, no, because she saw a rabbit. So I don't know. But, but it was weird when she asked if she had a dog. And she said that she's just trying to use it as a trap. York is like hiding behind a tree and he has uh, the gas mask on. And then, uh, then 355 is trying to like, you know, best of luck because, you know, she's trying to get them on their way. And then one of them says, like, no one ever got poor by giving. And, you know, that was, and 355 cuts her off, like, Anne Frank. She's like, I know. And she says it again, she's like, best of luck. So why has his stick in his hand? He's getting ready to swing. He comes out charging and then they run. And 355 just stands there, like, she shakes her head. And she's like, unbelievable. She's like, what if they saw your face? And he's like, well, they didn't. And she's like, they could have been armed. And, you know, he was worried that she was going to up the, the body count by two more. And she says that, you know, they need to establish some ground rule. And he's like, yeah. He's like, number one, don't order me to strip. And she's like, you are not to wander off. And, you know, he doesn't talk to anyone. And he just kind of scoffs. And she's just kind of, like, flabbergasted with him because, you know, just the way he's acting about everything. They end up at, at this trade market. Uh, why has York has his gas mask on three fifty five sees a motorcycle. And so she goes up to the, the lady vendor or whatever. And of course they're all ladies. She has a generator and she's like, what am I supposed to do with that? And she, then she's like, you'll feel figured out. And then she shows her grenade and she's like, Oh, okay. Um, York gets distracted and runs off because he, he thinks he saw Beth. So he keeps like going down these stairs and he's like calling out, and then he ends up like kind of like this sort of like a tunnel under whatever. And then these women come up They're So they're, they're stadies, uh wives. They're like state troopers wives. They kind of um, took over and, and they protect the place in exchange. They, they can take whatever they want. That's, a, that's what the vendor told 355 before. They're like, you shouldn't be down here. It's for police only. 
And then they ask, like, why he's not saying anything. And then he pretends that he can't talk. Because one's like, are you mute or something? And he, like, he's trying to, like, sign whatever. So then they, they start demanding to take his mask off. But then he shakes his head. And then one hits him with a baton. And he falls to his knees. They pull the mask off. And they're surprised to see his face. So he says that, you know, he doesn't want any trouble. And then he says that he's looking for, for testosterone, for tea. And then they see ampersand. And 355 and, and comes and tells him to run, and she fights him off, and she, you know she beats him with a baton. They make it back to the market, and then the the stadies, the, the or the wives or whatever you want to call them, they start shooting at them. They get on a motorcycle, and one yells at another. She's like, "Take the shot!" Whatever. She shoots, and she accidentally shoots the, the vendor lady who had the bike. So then 355 and York drive off. So they, they stop later at a bridge. He apologizes, saying that he, he thought he saw Beth, and then he realizes he's like, oh, "I don't have my phone." He's like, "We have to go back." And she's just like incredulous. She's like, she's, she's like, what, what do you have any sense? And he's like, she's like, you know, you, you don't even know what's going on. And she says that, you know, he needs a girl to F up and, you know, he needs to do what he's told. And he, he's like, you know, who are you? And he's like, no, no. She's like, you don't tell me anything. And she's like, that's it. She's like, she's like, I don't owe you anything or something like that and then she goes on about how he never cared about anything or, or the consequences you know, he took things for granted now he's actually the most important person in the room he needs to get that and you know he says that they came at him with batons and he asked you know what's the point of going full rambo if there isn't a problem and you know he says that you know because of him the pilots are and she's like go ahead finish what you're gonna say and he's just like let's just go okay so, yeah, it's a big fight between them. And then uh, Mac wakes up in the bed. Hero's uh, looking through, like, the medications in the house. Nora comes down and says that it used to be a woman's shelter. That's why there's so many rooms. Hero says that, you know, she cleaned a wound, but uh, Mac's going to need some antibiotics. So she starts telling her some, and then she's, you know, Nora's, like, trying to write them. So she writes them down for her. And um, But she says, you know, we, we hit 20 or 30 pharmacies between here and New York, and they're all cleared out. So they mentioned uh, trying to go to a camp or something like that. But Nora says that you know she just came from D.C. And then Sam says that Baltimore is closer. And Nora mentions that her sister's a doctor and lives up there. But it took them a week to walk what should have been like a two-hour drive. And you know her, her sister had left and her house had been looted. She uh, And then she mentions that she doesn't even know their names, which was kind of weird. Hero says that her name is Karen and that Sam is Benji. So Sam leaves a room and Hero goes after and Hero says, you know, they have a roof over their heads, they have well water, you know, maybe they don't have a, uh, you know, maybe they could put a garden in the back in the spring or something like that. They could start over. And, you know, she whispers, like, don't be mad at me. And Hero starts uh, lightly caressing Sam's chest, you know, as they're just like lying together. And then they start kissing. It's like weird because, you know, they're just friends. But then Sam pulls away and then Hero's like, oh, I'm sorry. She's like, I'll leave. But Sam's like, no, you can stay. And then Sam asks, he's like, what happened to the car? But then Hero doesn't answer. So for whatever reason, I don't. Hero sabotaged the car, which we can assume, and maybe the idea are they headed to Washington? And you know, I think Hero's just really trying to push put that off because she doesn't want to talk to her mom. So then Nora's outside crying. It's you know it's night, and she hears something. There's people come up on horses and they have rifle. So then she starts screaming. Hero and Sam wake up. Mac gets out of bed too. Sam has the axe and this lady comes at them with a rifle. So is this their place? And then uh, they're about to shoot, but then 
one one like scoffs at Sam, you know, they're, they're all lined up and everything like that. And she's like, You you know, you chose to be a man and Sam's like, I am a man you know, and then the other say is like, Well, all the men died off and then Hero's like she's like F you, whatever. She, and she's so then they're like, Oh, okay, we're gonna shoot you first but then Nora yells, She's a doctor and she's like, you know, because they have a friend who was shot and Hero could probably save her. So then they, they look at the daughter's leg and then they say that they only need her and Hero's like, it's all or nothing. So they're brought to some place blindfolded, which I didn't understand that because I, I don't know if, if they're that far from the house or whatever. And then, you know, Hero's examining this, you know, wounded lady who was, who was shot. So Yorick and 355 have stopped for the night. They're still not talking. She comes up to him, gives him a deck of card. And she's like, you know, show me a magic trick. And he's like, I'm an escape artist, not a magician. And she's like, oh, so you, you can't do any? And he's like, no, I can, but, you know, they're beneath my skill level. And she's like, fine, forget it. And then he's like, give, all right, give me the cards. So he, you know, shuffles or whatever. He's like, pick a card, puts it back, shuffles it, whatever, cuts the deck, you know, pulls a card. And she's like, that's not it. And he's like, oh, then it must be this one. And he pulls out a card, like, from behind him, and it's, it's her card. And she's like, okay, that's impressive. And then she's like, you know, when we're done with the scientist, she's like, I'll help you find your girlfriend. And then he's surprised. And then, you know, you see a look on his face. Then he's like, I'm, I'm sorry. And she's like, it's okay. She's like, we should uh, get to Boston by tomorrow. Then he shows her another trick. He's like, well, I won't cheat this time. He's like, it took me a while to learn this one. So things are kind of smoothed over a little with them. So the, at the, the bullet patient, she's lying on, on a table. This other lady comes in and she whispers something to Nora who um, covers Max's ears and holds her tight. She tells the others to move. And she pulls out a gun, shoots the patient. This other woman, she's like, she's not a dog. He's like, you can't just put her down. The lady's like, she's already gone. She's like, I'm just showing her mercy. Then the, um, the one starts saying something. Well, the doctor said, but then Hero, she clarifies. She's like, I'm not a doctor. She's like, I'm, I'm an EMT. And she's like, you know, that lady, she probably needed a trauma surgeon. So then the, the shooter is like, you know, she did what she could. And then the, the shooter looks at Mac and, you know, with her leg. She's like, her, we can help. And she's like, what does she need? And Harold's like, she needs antibiotics. So then the upset lady's like, she doesn't deserve our help. And then the, the lady who shot, she's like, a child doesn't deserve our, our help? And the lady's like, well, he was at our house. And Sam was like, it was just one night. And then the shooter's like, well, it must be cold outside. It's like, they should, we should go in. And then to the others, you know, she's like, you brought him here under duress. So it's like, you know, they try to help and this is how you treat them. And Sam's like, you know, we can go, you know, we don't have to stay. And the lady's like, no, it's dangerous out there. It's like, you know, we have beds and we have food. And uh, then the shooter's like, you know, it's the least we can do at least until, you know, the, the girl recovers. So they start going inside. And uh, then Nora kind of says to Hero quietly, she's like, don't tell them who your mother is. And then Hero's like, what? And she's, Nora continues, she's like, I worked at the, the, at the White House, Karen. And then they go through it into this other room. And it's like this huge Costco. And, you know, there's even like, there's like a couple chickens, like in the middle of, of the, like the big warehouse, whatever. So, yeah, they got plenty of food there. <laughs> At least that's good. You know, they'll, they'll have some food. How long are they going to be there? And, you know, what's going to happen? No idea. But it, it, it's, it, they're doing a good, really good job with the show, you know, because they are kind of modernizing certain things. And, uh, but at the same time, it, it is, pretty pretty true to like what it was for the most part so uh, so i'm digging it okay then with star girl season two episode seven summer school chapter seven i, I wish to 
I wish that the titles were a little more creative. I mean, I guess they don't need to be. And, you know, why put time and effort into, you know, something as simple as a title? But I wish it was a little more. I don't remember what it was first season. I, I should look back, but I'm not going to. So it starts off, Yolanda's in the, she's sitting in a confessional again. Then the, the father enters is on the other side. And she says she wants to talk today. And she asks if the devil is real. She says that, you know, she's seen him. And the father's like, oh, he's out tempting everyone, whatever. And she's like, this isn't about me. She's like, something terrible has happened. She's like, God isn't here on earth to stop the devil. It's like, shouldn't we? She's like, because, you know, more people would get hurt. And so the father, the priest, whatever he is, doesn't understand. And then she's like, if, if I kill someone truly evil, can I ever be forgiven? And then he's like, kill someone? And he's like, what have you done? And then her, her head starts ringing. She's got that ring in her ear. And you know she's like the devil's real, and he's in Blue Valley, and the father's like all confused. So then, it, so we find out it's July third. The town's getting ready for you know Fourth of July celebration. You see, like there's a, a missing sign for Isaac Bowen. So because his parents are dead, who I don't know who he's staying with that would notice that he's missing. Whatever. At the house, Courtney's uh, looking at the staff. She thinks it's it's getting better, but you know it's still not like glowing it like it used to. Pat mentioned that, you know, it's been days since Eclipso's attack. And she says that, you know, the staff might have heard Eclipso, but he, you know, Eclipso heard it right back. Eclipso killed Cindy and Isaac right in front of them. Maybe Shade too. You know, the weather's gotten worse. So Courtney's like, you know, why is he still here? He escaped the diamond. You know, what more does he want? Then um, the American Dream, whatever, the place where Barbara's working. So it's, it's like the board is talking. One lady talks, uh, mentions like closing like a factory or something like that. And Barbara's like, well, that's 177 people who would be out of work. And she proposed a plan to like liquidate the stock or something like that. You know, they wouldn't make money, but it would keep, you know, things flowing, you know, so these people could still be working or whatever. And uh, so then they, they kind of, they vote on it. They agree with her. And the one first lady reluctantly, you know, she has to agree too. So they, they kind of leave, and then she's looking at this painting like Jordan that's hanging on the wall, and she hears a whisper like Emily or something like that. And then there's like some black shadows appear, kind of appear like on, on the ceiling and disappear. And there's like a black drop of something like, I don't know if it's blood or something that falls on the floor, but she, you know she looks at the ceiling, there's, there's nothing there. Yolanda's working at the diner, and she's like in a daze. That grumpy Joe dude sits in her section, but the, the other, the older waitress lady, she said that she'll take care of him. Um, he complains like I've been waiting, you know, forever in a day or whatever. She's like, I want coffee now, and then she's like, looks at him, and her eye kind of, her one eye turns purple, and she pours coffee like on his shoulder. He like jumps up, and then that waitress like snaps out of it, and then you know the the manager ends up coming, and and he sends her home. She's like, but I, you know, I need this job or whatever. So I don't. She didn't get fired, but I think he just like you need to leave, and you know they apologize to Grumpy Joe or whatever. Then Yolanda sees a uh, you know the creepy little kid that Eclipso turned into. Um, he, he's like, just like watching and she's like, Oh, you know, it's kind of scary, huh? She, and she gives him like a, she's like here, blue raspberry, you know, it's like a lollipop or whatever. And then, you know, she looks back at, at Joe and, you know, is there like trying to make sure he's okay. And it's like that. And she looks back and the kid's gone and she's like, huh? And then we see, you know, she doesn't see it. The kid's now across the street watching things like a creep. Cause that's, that's all he does. I guess Courtney walks through the town. And uh, she's talking to Beth on the phone, asking, you know, she's like, well, can't you, you know, track Eclipse or anything? And Beth's like, no. And then Beth comments on the weather and how it's not summer or whatever. Courtney asks about Chuck or Dr. Midnight. And Beth's like, there's nothing. And then um, someone comes 
from you know behind Courtney and kind of touches her, grabs her, and she like pins. It's Cameron. She pins him against the wall, and he says that you know he's like oh whatever. And then he says that he and his dad used to set up decorations for the Fourth of July. He wants to know if she wants to help out, and um, then she's like sure. She gets a text from Mike. He says that you know, he's starting training today and stuff like that. And he, he texts again. He's pushing. And, and Cameron's like, you know, if you have to go, it's fine. And then she's like, no. She's like, no, no. And then he just puts her phone in her pocket. At the garage, uh, Mike and Pat are, are looking at the pieces of, of Stripe, the you know giant robot. Pat um, hands Mike a bucket of lug nuts. And he can barely hold He like He like almost drops it. And he's like, welcome to JSA training. He's like, lesson 101, the importance of patience or whatever. Yolanda leaves the diner and then she hears, Yolanda, I'm here, like while she's out in the streets. And then her head starts ringing again. And, and then it's fine. She texts Courtney and says that you know, she really needs her, but she sees her across the street and she goes to, you know, she starts, she's going to go over and talk to her, but then she sees that she's with Cameron. So she just puts up, uh, puts her hoodie, hoodie on and just like walks back. She, they're across the street. I don't know if I said that. And then she just like walks past them. So she ends up going by the church and she goes inside. The priest is, um, she noticed the priest is sitting in like in a front pew with her mom. And he's like, she just wants to help. He's like, I haven't shared anything you told me in confidence. And her mom's like all bitchy and everything. She's like, how can you drag Father Thomas into your little problems like this? And he tells her that, you know, she's had enough judgment in the past year and she, you know, she needs support now. So the mom sighs and she's like, mija. And then Yolanda sees someone like exit the, the church, like in a green like suit coat or something like that. So it's, you know, it's probably brainwave. And she goes out after, but there's no one there. At school, um, so the principal now is like filling in for Paul, the, the teacher, who's like under psychiatric care. And he can't find a lesson plan. It's supposed to be on a desk or whatever. Courtney's busy on her phone. She's not even paying attention. She's just, like texting Cameron. Yolanda's just like looking at her. And you can see she's a little annoyed because, you know, she's going through all this stuff. Courtney doesn't, hasn't even noticed because, you know, she's all in the zone just worrying about Cameron or whatever. Yolanda starts dozing off, but then like catches herself. And she looks at her phone. She got a text. It's from Henry. And it says, send me a pic. Wink. You know, wink emoji. And then there's a, a picture taken of her sitting in a desk from the hallway. And she looks up and you know, looks at the window and the door. And Henry's out there. So she gets up out of her desk and goes. No one like pays attention. She just walks out of the classroom. And Henry's like walking down the hall. So she's like calling after him. He turns a corner. And then her head starts ringing. And it's like just like killing her. So she pushes forward. You know, She keeps trying to go. She starts seeing a trail like dark drips on the floor. And then Henry's down the hall, and then he's in the cafeteria, and his like neck's bleeding. And she's like, "How?" And he's like, "You know, he's like, you never forgave me." She's like, "I'm in a bad place now. I'm burning." And she's like, "No." She's like, "I forgive you." And then he's like, "You know, my father will never forgive you." And then Brainwave's standing across, you know, the cafeteria, and he starts walking towards her, and he says that you know he's with her forever. And she screams. Um, Courtney wakes her up, and everyone's just like staring at her. So she was like sleeping during class while I was, and she just like gets up so then uh courtney is talking to yolanda out in the hall she's like you know what happened and you know she says that it's it's not just the sounds she's seeing brainwave now and henry courtney's like well it has to be eclipso and she's like no it's been going on since before eclipso she's like i'm i'm being punished and courtney's like for what she's like for protecting yourself and courtney's like he's like you know you don't, you don't have to face this alone she's like let's let's tell rick and beth and she's like, you know, they love you to understand. But then Yolanda's like, she's like, well, what if they don't? 
and Courtney's like, well, then, you know, we, we can face this as a team. At the garage, Mike is trying to tighten his big lug nut. And Pat says, you know, sometimes the job is working twice as hard on the tedious. And then he he's like, wax on, wax off. And Mike looks at him. He's like, we're, we're going to wax this thing? And so he didn't get the reference. And then, you know, Pat, he's like, well, I'm going to you know wait out, out front for Z because he's going to drop off some parts. And then Mike sees kind of like a purple glow on a table and a rag. So he goes over and it's like the pieces of the diamond that, when it shattered or whatever. And he like holds it up. The, the piece, you know, he puts it back down. It kind of moves towards the other pieces. So he starts kind of playing with it. It's like, what? why? Why would you do this? This is like the stupidest thing, whatever. Then a, a piece turns long and it kind of like burns his hands. And they're, they're kind of like leeches like on him, like start crawling on him. He has more like in his arms and necks. He starts freaking out, trying to wipe them all off. Pat comes in. He's like, it's okay, whatever. And Mike tells him, he's like, there are leeches. And he tells Mike, he's like, don't touch the pieces, you idiot. He should have said that. And Mike asks, he's like, why do you still have them? And Pat's like, well, you know, the diamond was Eclipso's only weakness before. I'm, I'm kind of hoping it still is. So then... At the house, the team's all there, and Rick's like, why are we meeting here? And he's like, where's Pat? Yolanda tells uh, Courtney, she's like, I don't know if I can do this. And Beth's like, do what? And, and so finally, Yolanda's like, she's like, I I killed Brainwave. And Rick's like, what? And Beth's like, I thought he died when the tunnels caved in. And she tells him what happened when Brainwave was acting like Henry, and you know she used her claws, and she's like, she watched him die. And Rick's like, well, I would have killed Brainwave too if I had a chance. And she's like, well then why didn't you kill solomon grundy and he's like well my hour was up and she's like was it or did you just let grundy go because you couldn't do it because you're a better person than me and rick's like yolanda it's like you did what you had to for our team and he's and um he's like right beth and beth's like silent she's like i don't know i'm sorry and yolanda she's like well i know she's like none of you are capable of doing what i did she's like i know what we're gonna have to do when we find eclipso and, you know, who's going to do it? She asks each of them. She's like, are you, Courtney? Are you, Beth, you know, Rick? And she's like, no. She's like, and she's like, and I don't want you to. She's like, I don't want you to have to live with the guilt to know that you'll always be a killer in God's eyes. And she's like, that means it's on me. I'll have to kill Eclipso to save the rest of you. And no one, like, says anything. And she's like, she'll have to be the JSA member that kills. And she leaves. And Courtney's like, Yolanda, please wait. But she, like, walks out. And Beth's like, I'm sorry. And Courtney just, like, looks at her. So back at the confessional again, are you all right, my child? And she has tears and she's like, I murdered someone. And then no one's there. Then Brainwave, he's like, he asks, what else is she guilty of? Is she like the death of my son? And he's like, he's dead because of you. She tries to run, but then he uses her power to like make her trip. Uh, she runs the doors, door slams shut. And he's like, you can't escape. And then, you know, then he's, like levitates her she's like floating he's like making her float towards him and he's says that when she was standing over his body you know gloating he sent his mind into hers and he's been drowning in her self-loathing for months you know her mind is is weak so he'll be in control of her body soon brainwave will live again through her then you know then she hears someone that call her name star girls there so yolanda calls out out to her and brainwave attacks her so she's on the ground then Yolanda somehow dresses Wildcat, slashes his throat, and he starts bleeding out. And she stares at him, and then he turns into Henry, and she screams, like, like, no! And then Henry says, she's like, you're going to burn like I am. And then he goes up in a flame. So more like calling out her name, whatever. And Stargirl 
um, puts a staff like on her, her hand and then Courtney says that, you know, whatever it is, it's going to be okay. But Yelena is like, like, it's not going to be okay. She's like, it's never going to be okay. She's like, I didn't want anything from anyone. I just wanted to be left alone, but you couldn't do that. And she asked Courtney, she's like, why did you do it? Why did you choose me? She's like, I wasn't supposed to be wildcat. I wasn't supposed to hurt anyone. And she's like, I'm never putting that costume on again. She's like, I quit. And then she like leaves the church. So it was weird. I guess the cost, I don't know, or get how she puts the costume on or whatever. But anyways, then um, later Courtney's looking at a picture of you know her and Yolanda in the bedroom. She's tried calling several times. There's no answer because we see like her call history. So she tries again and Yolanda's mom answers. And she's like, she doesn't want to talk to you. And Courtney's like, was she okay? And she said, it's your influence that has corrupted my daughter. And she's like, I know it. She's like, stop calling, which is so stupid because her whole thing that about her you know being mad at Yolanda is, is when she sent the pictures because that shamed the family and all this stuff like that. That happened before Courtney even moved to town. So it's just stupid. Her mom is just annoying. At the diner, a waitress gets a phone call from her mom, from Yolanda's mom, that Yolanda's quitting. But she's like, oh, she was doing so well here and everything. And she's like, you know, she'll always have a place here. But then the mom hangs up. So it's just like, man. Um, Courtney's talks to families. You know, she says she's sorry she didn't tell them about Brainwave. Uh, she knows she said no secrets, but it didn't feel like it was her secret to tell. Now she thinks that that was a mistake. And Barbara says that, you know, she's sure she didn't really have a choice. Courtney says that, you know, she wishes she could help. You know, was Brainwave Eclipso or was it, you know, just in her head? Then Mike says that, you know, he's like, I didn't mean to kill Icicle. He's like, you know, I was just driving and then I looked up and he's like, it was an accident. And Barbara's like, yeah, we know, we know. And Courtney's like, well, what about the shade? And, you know, she said that she saw him. Uh, she doesn't know what she saw or something like that. And then um, at Beth's tossing and turning and a little creepy kid is standing outside eating a lollipop and starts laughing. So there is that episode. Yeah. So how many episodes? So this is episode seven. Is there how many episodes are going to be in this season? Because it doesn't feel like it's really wrapping things up so much. Okay. Well, I just looked it up and supposedly there's going to be 13 episodes in in this season. Um, yeah, there's 13 episodes of the first season, so maybe that, that'll be right. Okay, so we still have some more more episodes to push things, you know, push the story forward and do different things. So we'll see. But I like I do like the show. You know, there's just little things that are annoying, but it, it, it has to be that way. You know, that's just the nature of, you know, creating the drama or whatever for the show. But um, it's it's going to be interesting. It's like, is, is the shade going to come back? And... Whatever happened to the dude that looked like Starman? You know, is is he coming back or what? What's happening there? So, I guess we gotta wait and see. With what if season one episode seven? What if Thor were an only child? I didn't love this episode. Uh, so the what if episodes? You know, I like them. I think it's neat to see, you know, just as a fan of the original comics, I, I think it's cool to see these differences. It, it's important, not really important, but it's it's cool to, to see different possibilities. And while we could always run through these ideas in our head, you know, we actually, to see them fleshed out and told, you know, that that's a, a cool opportunity to just really do whatever the heck you want. You know, you can get a, as crazy, nutty, and extreme, so that that's always cool. But I don't know what it is about some of these episodes where it's just 
it just it doesn't quite have them and maybe because they're animated instead of live action so that just makes it feel different i don't know what what it is but this one in particular it just it didn't seem like it was that big huge of a you know and they don't all have to be big major catastrophic whatever but there there were some there were some some good moments but just overall it was just okay so it starts out uh darcy is with jane like they're like in the middle of the desert in the van computer starts beeping beeping there's a light and um so then you know she is on the phone she wants to talk to the director of shield she thinks an alien invasion is coming and then like you see like the bifrost you know lights whatever zips by and then she thinks they're too late the invasion has begun in uh, Las Vegas, citizens of Midgard, your dull lives are about to come to an end. Prepare yourselves for the Parte Prince. So it's Thor, Sif, and the Warriors Three. Because when you first see them, they're like in, in shadows. So people in, uh, um, in the streets were concerned, and then they start cheering. The Watcher says that it's more than battles won or lost. It's relationships that truly define a hero. So he talks about Thor and Loki and like their, their brotherhood and how, you know, they just defought, bickered or whatever and how it taught them like lessons or something like that, that, you know, their, their lesson or their brotherhood would, would change the fate of a universe or something like that. So in another universe, instead of raising the Jotunheim prince, Loki as his own son, Odin returned him to his people. So without Loki to stir things up, basically... Thor grew up into a different kind of prince. So Odin's about to go into the Odin sleep. Thor and Frigga are sitting by his side. Frigga's off to her sisters to celebrate the solstice. And Thor gets is going to have his first taste of kinghood. And um, she tells him to read up on the Nine Realms where he'll one day rule. And she's like, no parties. And then she's like, Hemdale would be watching. He's like, wait, what? He's like, you can't be serious. He's mad that you know he basically has a babysitter or whatever. Thor talks to the other. He says that they're going to go to the most backward, backward planet that not even Hemdale pays attention to. So so they can go and party. It's like they're so immature. <laughs> so then uh, in Vegas, people are drinking and partying. Jane and Darcy arrive. Darcy says that Hollywood didn't prepare her for this. You know, shouldn't she like, shouldn't there be more lasers? Jane tracks down the first extraterrestrial to arrive, which is Thor. And she says she wants to make first contact with him. Darcy says that like half the strip has already made contact with him. And she's like, you'd be better talking to this loser, whatever. And it's like Howard the Duck. And he, you know, he's standing there with a drink and he makes some comment, whatever. So Thor is talking to a group of scrolls. He's like, do me, whatever. And you do me because they're like changing their, their, their heads into his. So then they're all looking like him or whatever. So then uh, Jane comes up and he introduces himself. And then she's like, wait, are you Thor as in the Norse god of thunder? And he's like, well, I don't know anything about horse gods, but I know how to bring the thunder and she's like uh okay and then she mentions 18 months ago alpha star icarus died the astronomical anomaly that preceded it whatever she's like it happened again tonight so and he's having difficulty focusing focusing just like does he have like add or something like that and she's like was that you and then he's like yes alpha star is like that was an excellent party he's like we lost fandral for three days and then we found him in a barn curled up next to a baby goat and then she's like, 
you killed a planet, whatever. And he's impressed by her light box thing, her tablet. And he's like, oh, you must be a genius for making that. Then he asks, he's like, do all geniuses have such deep, dark eyes? It's like watching the birth of two stars on the edge of a galaxy. And then she's like, Haha. and she like kind of like, she's like, she's falling for it, you know, whatever. And you know, the flirting and she can't help it. She can't resist. Must be the hair or whatever is dreamy eyes. Darcy's left standing with Howard. And then he's like, well, it's happy hour. He's like, you want some half-priced nachos? And she's like, okay, fine, duck, but this is not a date. And he's like, well, let's just see where this evolves. Party continues. The collector is there, and he's, like, DJing. Jane is, like, club dancing with Thor. And then the music stops. And the collector's like, release the foam. And then, yeah, it starts. It's just ridiculous. And uh, and then um, Nebula is like rolling a dice, and Cor- she t- asks Korg to blow on them. Mama needs a brand new eye. And then Darcy and Howard are getting married in an Elvis chapel. Jor, uh, Jor, Jor, Jane and Thor, Jor. I guess that would be her name, maybe Thane. Um, they get tattoos. Jane gets Mjolnir with like little some lightning around it. It says magic underneath it. Thor gets a, a microscope that says science underneath it. Which which would you be able to tattoo Thor's? Would his skin be? I, I would think it'd be thicker, or whatever. But who knows? Next day, you hear like peaceful chirping, whatever. Everyone's waking up in like a hotel room. Fandril's with like several goats. It's, it's like what are you trying to say about Fandril? Jane wakes up in a big bed. Her cell phone and in the hotel phone are both ringing. She tries like throwing a pillow at them, whatever. And then there's like a pounding on a door. Dr. Jane Foster. So we see it's it's Brock Rumlau, Frank Grillo. He yells. Then he's like, this is S.H.I.E.L.D., whatever. So she finally opens the door and Maria Hill um, comes, you know, steps in forward when, when Jane opens the door. She's like, acting director of S.H.I.E.L.D. And then she says that uh, she was the first to warn them about the extraterrestrial threat. So she hopes that she will be the key to eliminating it. And Jane's like, can this wait till after breakfast? And Hills says that she knows why. Or she's like, you know, you know why I'm the acting director of S.H.I.E.L.D.? And we see a flashback to last night where Nick Fury is trying to talk to Thor, but like some guards like won't let him in. And then Korg comes running, knocks Fury out of the way so he can jump into a fountain. Nick goes flying. Like, like and then she's like, he's still unconscious. So I guess he got injured from from that, just getting knocked away so Korg can jump into a, a fountain. And then uh, then she hears like Thor talking in another room, and and uh, Jane's like, "Well, I'll, I'll I'll get back to you." And then she tries closing the door, but she won't let her. On a helicarrier, Jane has to tell her everything. Coulson comes in and says that the party atmosphere is spreading, so it's led by the main instigator, Thor of Asgard. Now he's taken to the skies. Jane is shocked that he left. She's like, "Did he even leave a note?" And then she composes herself. Rumlow uh, comes in with a case, and it's which uh, he says like the last resort has arrived. And Jane interjects because she's because it sounds extreme. She's like, "What? They're going to just kill Thor?" And you know, because she's like, "It's our first encounter with an alien life form." She's like, "How we continue could affect diplomatic relations in the future." And Darcy kind of laughs. She's like, "Diplomatic relations, right?" You know, that's how she describes it. And then Hill's like, "Well, this isn't our first alien rodeo." So she opens a case. And it's a beeper. And Darcy's like, my dad has one. He's like, he's a podiatrist. Or podi- podi- podiatrist. And she's like, are you calling him a podiatrist? I don't know why I can't say that word. So Hill hits the button, calls Captain Marvel, whatever. Thor's still parting. And then some like frost giants come. 
and we see blue Loki is in the lead, and he's he's as big as they are. I was like, okay. Um, he insults Thor. Things look tense, and then they both laugh. So Thor and Loki know each other. Then there's a boom, and then another. Thor's like, oh, look, it's a shooting star. And he tells Loki to make a wish. And then Captain Marvel arrives, because they're, so they're like over Paris or whatever. And she calls Thor Whitesnake, and she tells him to clean up the mess and go home. She's like, party's over, pal. And he's like, you know, maybe you should just buzz off. So Carol punches him, and he goes flying back. He gets up, and he's like, there's a Mid- Midgardian word for women like you. Party pooper. So she delivers another punch. She's like, that one's for Fury, whatever. He goes up, and then Mjolnir hits her. Then it, it hits um, hits her again, and she goes like flying, like, and she lands in, in Stonehenge. And then Thor, he comes, and he like, he ends up like knocking because he almost knocked one over. Then he ends up pushing him, so the the all the stones fall over like domino style. So she punches him, and he goes flying to the U.S. And she punches him again before he hits the ground. He calls Mjolnir, but it takes a few seconds. More fighting back and forth. He zaps her with lightning, but it doesn't phase her. Tries to zap, blasting her her harder. She punches him on and on. They land. Then Thor puts Mjolnir like uh, on on her chest or whatever. And then he's like, "You need a timeout, whatever." But then you know he picks up right away. So then Hill yells at her. You know, Fury said that she was the best. Blah blah blah, stuff like that. Darcy's like in awe of her. And Carol says, "She's like, well, if I go full power, I'd leave a crater on Earth." And Jane's like, uh, Jane gets a call, and she's to kind of excuse herself. And it's Thor, and she asks about the party at the last planet, and he says that no one got hurt. That you know, they uh, discuss. Uh, the others are talking about like maybe what's well, like. What if you fought in the desert? Then you know, it wouldn't matter if, there, if there's a crater or whatever like that. And Hill's like, she's like, well, you know, we don't need um, you anymore or something like that. So Jane tries, tries calling Thor, but Loki answers the phone, even though he's like giant and the phone's like real small in his, his hand. And he's like, you know, he's saying that he's busy, whatever he's, you know, whatever. He ends up dropping the phone and it breaks. He's like, oops. Darcy says, you know, it's it's too bad they can't call Thor's mom because, you know, teenagers throw a party and then, you know, their parents are called. So Carol grabs Thor, um, you know, and then Jane and Darcy... <laughs> I don't understand how this, how it even know to do. They make this like big radio thing or whatever, and and Jane calls out to Hemdale. Maybe because of energy that flew flew by, so she somehow whatever. So she she calls uh, Hemdale, and he brings her to Asgard. Carol gets her ready to fight Thor, um, but Hill she she tells him to arm the nukes just in case she gets distracted or something like that. So they're gonna bomb Thor with nukes if if Carol can't stop him. So so Jane's uh Jane is teleported to where Frigg is at. Thor and Carol are about to blast each other. Hill's about to push the button to launch the nukes, and then Frigga appears. And so she's like she's on her way there. Thor tries talking to Loki, and then but they're gonna leave. And Thor's like, well, we have to clean up. And Loki's like, ah, whatever. He's like, I'm out of here. And then um he's Thor's trying to get the others to help. Drax says, he's like, you're the one pooping the party now. So they're all leaving. And then he uses his hammer floats above them. And he tells them my mother's coming and she's not happy at all. She's really mad. So then they start fixing everything. Frigga arrives and he's standing in front of like two chalkboards. And he tells Frigga that this is his study group. And she's looking very skeptical. Then Carol arrives with a tablet. You know, uh, she's like, here's all the information you requested or something like that. Frigga apparently, and she knows who, who Captain Marvel is somehow. And Frigga says, it's time to go. 
Thor calls Mjolnir and it's covered in graffiti and there's like a pair of boxers on it. And he tells his mother, she's like, I could explain, which is just whatever. So then we see the van in the middle of the desert. Uh, Thor arrives with flowers for Jane. He says that, you know, she called his mother on him. That wasn't cool, but it was the right thing to do. So thank you. And then he says that he'll call her cools. (laughs) And she's like, no, she's like, what? Ask me out on a date. And then the watcher says that, you know, together, you know, they, they lived happily ever after. Wait, what? So then uh, a group of eight people like teleport in front of the, um, Thor, like in the desert. And it looks like he's like, is that, is that Ultron? But then we see it's really vision in like an Ultron outfit, like with an Ultron helmet or something like that. So it's like, wait, really like, wait, what? How is this possible? Because who, who built vision or Ultron? Would the Avengers still have formed without Thor? Maybe, but without Thor or without Loki. Yeah. So whatever i don't know that's just the weird the the universe i guess all whatever so that episode i mean i feel like this episode is more jokesy you know than actually exploring different ideas you know it's just like oh thor is just like a drunk you know college kid yay i, I don't know it's just just it it was it yeah it just didn't do it for me so I feel like you know if we're limited on what we do let's try to do something cool like the whole you know we've had stuff before like what if Captain America turned into the Hulk or you know just some something where you're really gonna mix things up versus Thor and Loki aren't brothers and then Thor is just partying all the time I don't know that just that doesn't seem like a good use of of an episode but there you go so that's what we have with titans uh season three episode nine souls bruce is uh sitting thinking and there's like a lawyer there or whatever and he's like are you sure about what you're doing and he's like yeah and he signs a document so we see it's it's his last will and and testament on themiscara amazons are dressed in like white gowns and they're standing around donna's body which is like laying on this altar thing uh rachel's there and then you know as they're just standing there her eyes glow red for a moment and then, like, another Caesar, and, like, shakes her head or whatever. Later, Rachel's, like, training, like, dodging a sword, blindfolded or whatever. And she asks, uh, you know, what was she trying to do in there? And Rachel's like, I was trying to help. The, the Amazon says that the ritual they do takes patience. Uh, you know, they have to just wait. Because you know, they're, they're trying to see if, if Donna will come back to life. Tim is dreaming that he's on a train going through, like, a, a snowy landscape. And it's all all in black and white. He gets like startled awake, and then a train conductor is, is coming looking for Tim Tim Drake, and he asks where they're going, but he says like, like he can't tell him or whatever. And Tim's like, I don't remember why I'm here. And the conductor's like, Oh, that's perfectly normal. He's like, You know, it might take a while. So he's like, You know, you need to come with me. He's like, We're almost at your stop. And it's Tim starts like freaking out, and he runs like the opposite direction. He goes past, uh, Donna's on a train. She's like sitting, she's like in another train, just like sitting there, which is like, didn't she die a while ago? And she's still on this train, whatever. It's a long trip. So the conductor, um, isn't happy. You know, she gets up and and goes after him, whatever. And then, you know, did the conductor just growl? It's like, what was that noise? So Donna finds Tim. Or no, maybe the growl, the conductor didn't, didn't go past, but she goes back and they're like at the end of the train 
And she asks him if he's all right. And he's like, where the hell is this? And she's like, this is the next place. And he's like, you mean I'm dead? She's like, we we all are. And she introduces herself. She says her name is Donna or something like that. The conductor's coming, followed by others. Tim opens the back door. And she's like, what are you doing or whatever? And then he like jumps off the train. And, you know, because he, he, he says, you know, maybe she's dead, but not him or something like that. So after he jumps off, she like hesitates and then she jumps off the train and follows him. Back in Themyscira, Rachel goes back into the room where Donna's lying, her body's lying, and she tries using her powers again, like, you know, this dark energy, whatever flows out her, and it kind of goes like around Donna. And she's like telling Donna, she's like, come back to me, come back to me. And then she stops. That This elder Amazon's like, she walked in, and her, I think her name is Lydia, and she's not like, looking too happy tim is running through like snowy woods uh everything's still in black and white donna's behind him and she tells him to wait then she's like okay so she zips in front of him and she asks she's like where are you going and he says back you know going back home and she's he she says well you have a ways to go and he asks if he if she's with them uh the train people and she's like no and she's like i'm following you because you look scared and she's like, you know, we should go back. He's freaking out. He says that he wants to go home. He says she can go back if if she wants. He's like, I didn't ask for your help. Then there's like a growling in the distance. And then these like weird shadow dudes start popping up like around trees. And like some are like standing sideways on a tree. It's like all this like weird stuff. And it is like weird energy, like vibrating stuff comes out of her hand. And Tim starts like groaning in pain. And she can feel it, but it's, doesn't, it's not like quite affecting her as much. Because maybe she's just stronger. And then she tells him to get behind her. And then, then she's like, run. So they, they reach a road and then this black car drives up and then someone yells, get in. And you can hear like Bon Jovi living on a prayer playing. And who's driving? It's Hank. And then he chuckles when he sees, when Donna sees him. She's like, because she gets in the passenger seat, Tim gets in the back and and you know she's like not expecting to see him there. Back on Themyscira, so Lydia and the others are standing on the beach they request the blessings of Artemis as they begin their endeavor. She mentions that, you know, given the ritual of the, the or something, whatever has been disruptive, given the act of blasphemy has caused an imbalance, given the act was committed by Rachel Roth, implied whatever, the transmigration of Donna Troy's soul has been corrupted and any hope for resurrection is now jeopardized. And John, Donna, I mean, not Donna, Rachel starts saying, like, wait, you don't know that. But then she's like, stop. Lydia continues, balance must be restored through the appropriate result. And then uh, the one lady training her says that, you know, Rachel's a visitor to their island and she's still largely ignorant of their ways. And Lydia says, willfully ignorant. The, the one lady training her says that, you know, she's like, I'll oversee more training and initiate a curriculum on the culture and rituals of the island. And Lydia's like, insufficient result. And then she's just like, uh, she's try, tries suggesting another result and then Rachel jumps in she's like I wasn't committing blasphemy she's like you have no proof that what I did hurt Donna or her soul's transmigration she's like I don't see why I should be punished because you're afraid of me and my powers and she's like I see why Donna left this place and she's like I don't blame her she was a hero you're all cowards and then uh, the lady wants to speak privately with Rachel and Lydia says this endeavor has concluded so back in the black and white in the car, Hank says that he's like, I think we lost him. And he asked Donna, he's like, who's the kid? Because he's like sleeping in the back now. 
And she's like, what were those things? And he's like, they're ghouls. If you get off the train before your destination, you end up here, no man's land. It's like your soul is up for grabs. If they get you, they bring you all the way down to Hades and you don't come back. So it's like, how does he know all this stuff? Because he's, you know, yeah, he's been dead, which is a few episodes. He's, he's got all these answers. And uh, she brings up, she's like, well, should we mention the elephant in the room? And he's like, the elephant, whatever. She's like, you're dead. Uh, you know, how'd that happen? And he's like, Jason, I think Todd. And she's surprised. Uh, you know, he, he, he says, you know, it's like, why did he do it? And he doesn't know. He started taking some effed out drugs, started dressing like Deathstroke meets the Gimp, called himself Red Hood. Then Donna's like, poor Don, she must be devastated. And Hank's like, she better be. <laughs> they make it to a place, and there's this guy named Malcolm that's like attending. Uh, it's a Twilight Owl or something like that, and it's, it's like a bar. Tim uh, says, he's like, I got to get home. And Hank, you know, says that he thinks of this as his home base. He says, you know, it's, or she says it's pretty classy for a guy who thinks flushing is optional. And he says that, you know, he's there to help people. There are a lot of people who get cold feet on the way to the next place. He says, you know, maybe it was fate that they ran into each other. And he talks about um, the kid, you know, Tim. And uh, Donna says that she tried explaining going back was an option. And Hank's like, you know, who says? Or something like that. And she's like, um, all of human history? And Hank's like, well, I may have found a loophole. He's like, you know, there's supposed to be a bridge. You know, maybe it's a rumor. You know, I was, I was scouting it out when I found you. He's like, you know, your timing couldn't be more perfect. You know, we can use each other. You know, we can go back together. And then she's like, I don't know if I, w- I want to go back. So on Themyscira, Rachel is being taken to a room. She's like, oh, I'm just going to, you know, get locked in a room. I, th- I thought I was going to get thrown in a pit or something or made to be fight sharks. Lydia's like, it's uh, Panevma or something like that. And it, it's existed on an island before history, before memory. So like this, it's like this rock sculpture, just kind of like there's a middle, like open middle, and then the rocks are sort of twisted, like together, or something like that. And she says that legend says it was, it was built by a hero of their tribe to represent the human soul. And then Lydia claps her hands, and then it just like falls. And Rachel's like, "Why would you do that?" And Lydia's like, "This is your result." She's like, designed by me to restore balance, where balance has been lost. And she says to rebuild Panevma in whatever way she can, using every stone. And Rachel's like, that's it? And she, and she just kind of like smiles at her. Hank tells Donna that they have to go back. He asks if she wouldn't jump at the chance to hand Jason his ass. And she's like, is that what this is about, revenge? He's like, you're damn right. He's like, the little effort blew me up. He, and she says that she's like, I think you're supposed to let that go. And he laughs and he asks, like, you let stuff go when Deathrow killed Garth. And then she's like, here he asks, like, what happened to you? And she's like, I died. He's like, and so did you. And, you know, she she's goes on. You know, she says she's not even happy with her death, whatever. She's like, you know, she didn't die stopping an asteroid from hitting Earth. You know, she, she's like, I died at a carnival. And he's like, well, you know, you did save a life. And. She said that you know, when she was sitting on a train, she made a decision. You know, she wants to move forward, and then suddenly the place starts shaking a little bit. And then you see dark shadows are outside, and then ghouls come in. They start their hand vibration thing, and then Malcolm gets hit, and he gets like disintegrated. And then the, one of the ghouls just like kind of sucks in his like ashes or whatever, you know. So he's like devoured. Um, Tim is like in pain, and then uh, Donna like tells him, you know, makes him go behind her. She's like standing her ground, and then the two two ghouls they just kind of dissipate because there's a couple like pew, pew, 
Hank is like holding two guns. And then, uh, then because of that, Tim is thinking back to getting shot in the back. Rachel's working on the rocks. She asks Lydia, why do they train so much? And she's like, well, didn't you train in the Titans? She's like, yeah, but we, you know, we trained to fight or something like that. Lydia asks, like, did, did you fight a lot? And she's like, well, not really. And then uh, says, you know, to fight a battle is to invite another and another. Rachel attempts, uh, her attempts with the rock falls and she's just like grunts. Lydia kind of laughs and she says, you remind me of my daughter. She's like, you know, her temper was greater than yours. And Lydia's, um, she's like, she's dead. And she was killed in battle or something like that. So they made many attempts to bring her back, but it, they weren't successful. So there's like a return from death is possible. She's just not sure how or why the process works. Donna says that she, um, she's going to go back to the train and Hank's like, no, you're not. And she, you know, he's like, you know, you can't change who you, who you are. You know, when the goals, the ghouls came in, she ran to Tim. She put herself between him and them. You know, some guy she just met an hour ago. And he's like, don't tell me you're done being a hero. Then Tim starts calling them by name. So he knows who they are. He's like, it's all coming back. He's like, I'm from Gotham. I spent a lot of time thinking about, you know, you guys and researching you. And, you know, he was trying to help them. And that's how he got shot. He was shot in the back. He's like, I died a coward. He's like, I froze. And then I just ran. He's like, I have to go back. And, you know, he's like, you know, maybe they can give him some pointers when they get back or something like that. And so Donna finally is like, okay, she's like, I'll help. She's like, we both will. And she's like, stop calling me Miss Troy. Cause he keeps, keeps calling her that. Rachel uses her powers to build a sculpture. Lydia's watching. It holds for like a couple seconds and then it collapses and she's like she's dead she's really dead she's never coming back and lydia's like no she isn't and then rachel asks like you know will her soul be okay and lydia's like i hope so and rachel's like i, I think it's it's time i should go back in the car hank says that he doesn't have the guns or something like that he's like he never did ever since he died he's been getting in touch with his spiritual spiritual side donica kind of like snickers at this so then he's gonna stop talking and she's like no 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 continue so he's like, things work differently here. He's like, if you picture something that you really want, if you focus your mind on it, it appears. So Donna, um, then she tells him to stop. She's, you know, they, they get out of the car. They start going into the woods. There's a bridge in the midst. And so she's like, you know, how's it work? Um, Donna says that, she's like, well, there's, you know, only one way to find out or something like that. Ghouls appear behind them and then like in front of them. So Donna tries like picturing weapons and she pulls out, they're like on a bridge, you know, they, they started going, she pulls out two bottles of cream soda. She's like, are you serious? So she smashes them and, you know, she's using them as, as weapons. Hank tries to think of something and he has like a couple like the, the throwing Robin R's, whatever. He's like, I'm pretty sure I wasn't thinking about Grayson. He like throws one, they dodge it, whatever. And he's trying for, for guns again, but then he gets nunchucks. He starts swinging it around, and then he like he like hits himself like a couple times in the back of the head. And he's just try trying to deal with it, and then uh, Donna thinks some more, and she gets a sword. She's like, "That's more like it." So she's fighting, and you know whatever. This a piece of the bridge that like, collapses. So Hank tells Tim to jump. He's like unsure. So he he runs. He jumps. He only gets about halfway. It's like not even close. And then a lasso grabs him and pulls him back. So now Donna's using the lasso as like a whip. She's like striking the ghouls and everything like that. Hank's still on the other side. And he tells them to go. And he's like, tell Donna I love her. Then he, he, he thinks a bit and he's got a baseball back. He's like, I can work with this or something like that. 
uh, Tim and Donna reach the end. He calls her Miss Miss Troy again, and she's like, "How old do you think I am?" He's like, "Old, like 30. And then um, he says, "Thank you," and she's like, "You're welcome, whatever." And so now they're in color. And then uh, he asks if she's like, "Do you hear that?" And then he uh, collapses. She catches him, but there's like blood and stuff like that. So then uh, she tells him, she's like, you're a hero. She's like, you made a jump. His eyes close and things start to go fuzzy. He wakes up, he's in an ambulance. And you hear the, he was only out for like 93 seconds or something like that. The one, some lady says. Hanks outside the bridge um, behind him, then it just like disappears. And then uh, someone says his name. It calls out to him. It's Don. So it's like his, what a brother. And he's like, this place could use, you know, Dove and Hawk. And Hank's like, it's like, yeah, yeah, but you know, it's it's Hawk and Dove, and he's like, no, I'm pretty sure it's the other. He's like, we'll we'll talk about that, whatever. So they're they're back together. So they're gonna save uh, poor souls that are lost or confused or whatever. Which, okay. <laughs> Rachel's um, getting ready to leave Themyscira. She decides to go where where Donna was, but the altar now is empty. Someone's uh, pouring gas all over her room. And we see it's Bruce. He lights a match. And then from like outside, like the, the big castle, you see like fire coming out from a couple of rooms. He's like lying on the ground. Donna appears somehow and she carries him into another room and she puts him like on a couch. She wakes him up and he looks at her. He's like, am I dead? And she's like, no. And he's like, but you are. And she's like, not anymore. So Donna's back. That's great. Because I, I was really bummed when she was killed off because... Her character, I mean, and she had kind of like an attitude, and there's just something about her that I think was was kind of cool. So it's good that she's back. It's 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 a bummer that Hank's not back, but I, I was reading like some interview that he's I forgot what it was. He's going to be on some other show or doing something else, but it's possible he could come back. Whatever you know, he he says that if he had the chance, he would. You know, things are left kind of open, so it's possible that. He could return someday, but I mean that, that's that's fine at the same thing at the same time because if he comes back right away, it's, it's like okay, Jason dies, he comes back, Donna dies, she comes back, Hank dies, it's like almost like if it would be too much. So maybe he'll be back later. I mean, it'd be it'd be a bummer not for him to come back. I forgot what he's gonna do. Is it something on on, on Prime? Like, uh, oh, it's a uh, Jack Reacher, I think. He, he's doing that so that'd be cool that this they see something different so that was the episode it, but it was it was pretty cool the, the black and white was it was a little cheesy but it, it was something different and everything like that and you know, we had some some cool things that happened but bruce, what bruce is killing himself that, that that seemed cowardly well i mean i know don't do it <laughs> Um, Doom Patrol is back so as i mentioned earlier three episodes dropped i only um, I haven't watched the third episode yet. I, I don't know if I'm going to watch it tonight or whatever. Um, I'll probably talk about... I'll try to get caught up. I'll probably try to talk about three and four next week. So this is why I, I wish they only did one a week. Um, but whatever. So with... Uh, as, as if you don't remember what happened last time. The last episode... The last time I talked about um, season two, episode nine. That was episode 154. So I think I talked about them. I think I talked about all the episodes. So if you go backwards, 154, 153. Wait, did I not talk about all of them? 149, 48. So maybe episode... Yeah, episode 148 had uh, Doom Patrol 
season two, episode one, two, and three. So they did the same thing. They dropped a three. And then before that, I think episode 80 was the end of the first season. So, <laughs> yeah. So if you want to listen, you could probably go to Wikipedia and you hear that. Anyways, with this episode, Possibilities Patrol. So it starts out, you know, back at that carnival place where, you know, everyone was like all covered in wax because Candlemaker from Dorothy uh, Niles Calder's, his, his daughter, came from her mind or whatever. Candlemaker says, the girl is alone. The girl is small. The girl shivers and quakes. And then we see she's in a wagon cage in the woods. And she's like, this isn't fair. She, you know, she's like, um, she's like in his world now or something like that. He comes walking towards a cage and she looks around and she finds like a bow and arrow and she shoots, but then it, it she catches it somehow. So she's on the moon or whatever, like looks like the moon. And she's like, you are powerful, but so am I. You lived in my head. And then she says that she doesn't want to fight him. Candlemaker says it's destiny, it's a way or something like that. And she's like, well, let's change the way. And he's like, you protected me once and protected man. He's like, or something like that. She's like, you were my friend. So she's going to keep them there far away from everyone and everything for as long as it takes until they're friends again. And only then will she let them go home. And so she's like, so what's it going to be? At the carnival, the lights start going and the rides start, start up again. The wax covering all the others start crumbling and they're free. Like Cyborg goes up to Jane. She's still unconscious. Cliff um, cries out and Cyborg runs up to his head because he got decapitated. Rita's uh, fine. Then um, Larry and Rita to find Niles lying on the ground. Cyborg comes up to him and then there's like a, a big thumping. The ground starts shaking. Humongous Candlemaker pops up with Dorothy's like on his head. He leans over so she can get off. And she walks up to him and Candlemaker kind of retreats back into the ground. And then she kneels at her father's side. She tries waking him. And then she screams his name. So Niles Calder, the chief, is dead. One week later, Cyborg's working on Cliff. Cliff is uh, ticked off at Niles for estranging him from his wife or making him miss his daughter's wedding and all this stuff like that. And Cyborg, and uh, also um, his hand's like shaking. Cyborg's, or uh, Cliff's hand is shaking, and Cyborg's like, whatever's wrong with your hand isn't mechanical. So he's saying that you know, there's something going on there. Uh, but they're talking about how you know he's mad, still mad. At, they're all mad at the Chief or whatever. Larry and Reader are talking about the Chief's death. Larry says he's fantasized about his death, but now that it's, it's there, it's, it's different. Rita says um, she's going to focus on her work, and Larry says that, oh yeah, you know, it's great. You're going to be in a play that demeans yourself and everyone or something like that. Then Dorothy walks in, Rita tries cheering her up. She's like, how would you like a bowl of ice cream or something like that? And she's like, I know what you're trying to do. She's like, I'm not going to bury Papa until Jane wakes up. She deserves a chance to say goodbye. And then uh, Rita tells Larry that the body is starting to smell. And then um, so Larry says that, you know, he'll talk to her or something like that. So he goes in a dining room. Um, so now his body is just sitting on a dining room table. And she's been covering him with like bags of frozen peas and stuff like that. And they just like talk about some blah, 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 whatever. Rita returns and finds a there's like a gift in her room. So she opens a card and it's from Niles. And it says, something, you know, there are mysterious things in the world that he's been keeping his eyes on. With his death, he must put that burden on her shoulders. So he leaves a secret to her. Um, she opens a little box and there's like a keychain with like a ball on it and then uh the letter says that he prays she'll never need it but should the time come she's the only one he trusts jane's lying on her bed and in her mind in the underground 
a stuffed bear is thrown out of the well, you know, because that's where she was left. She climbs out and then she starts running. She's calling out to Kay. Kay's like in a cage doing a puzzle, but she doesn't seem to be able to see or hear Jane. Then she says, like, she's like, the woman calling herself Miranda, she's like, lied to us. She's like, she is not who she isn't who she said she was. She's like, and then um, she's like, I went back home. I found your little lamb. And she's like, I'll fix this. I promise, you know, just like I always do whatever. And then she starts running. Rita's holding the key while she's dressed in her, her beekeeper costume for the, the play. Um, the other actress performs as Rita. And then uh, it's time for Rita to say her lines. My bees. And and um, as as you know, Rita's attacks, but you know, then she's supposed to get off, the, but she stays on the stage, and then she's like, "I don't know what I'm supposed to do next." She's like, "Carry on his legacy, clean up his mess, rewrite all the history." She's like, "No." She's like, "He turned me into nothing, and now he wants me to be something else." She's like, "Well, I won't. I can't." And she's like, "I hate him for asking, and I hate myself because I loved him, and because she, she hates that she, that she hates him." And she's like, "I never told him either of those things. Now it's too late. There's nothing left to say. My bees, my bees, my bees." And her face starts like drooping a little bit, like melting. And then they freak out. And then the one playing her, she's like, "It's you. You're the blob lady." And then she like runs. Uh, Silas Cyborg's dad comes in, asks if uh, Niles doing some sort of stasis experiment because he hasn't heard from him. Um, Cyborg says, he's like, I don't want to tell you over the phone. So then they're, they're, they're talking and he's like, he surprised this day has finally come. Uh, and he's surprised it didn't you know, come sooner. So he asks Vic how he is and how he's handling it. Uh, Silas sees there's like pictures of his, his ex-girlfriend, Ronnie, like on a wall or whatever. And he's, he says that he's trying to help her. Vic's trying to help her, but he thinks he made things worse. And Silas says something about like trying to help those you love you know, you realize how futile it is, whatever. And then he says that he knows it hurts, but, you know, hiding away down there isn't helping. So it's like, you know, she he should probably, like, try to do something. Jane's reached the, the train car, like the other part uh, of the underground or whatever. The other personalities are sitting outside the train car. They're just, like, building puzzles as well. Um, and she goes on the train car, looks at the conductor, and she's doing a puzzle. And she's like, I need you to take me to the top. But the controls have been, like, shorted out. And like, you know, there's wires sticking out and she's like, everything is effed up. And she's like, I'm left to fix it again. She's like, how can I do this alone? And then Miranda's like, you can't. Then Jane's, she's like, I know you're not Miranda. She's like, I found her at the bottom of the well, along with all the personas you murdered. And she's like, the only thing I didn't find down there was you, daddy. And she laughs. She's like, think bigger, Jane. She's like, I'm not daddy or Miranda. She's like, I'm not even a persona at all. And her eyes turn black and her face gets kind of crackly and like distorted. It's like, I'm the infection that's been festering inside Kay since Persona's even existed. Now I've taken control. Jane like falls to her knees and it says that um, after Jane is gone, she'll be the only thing that's left. So Cliff, um, he's looking up a brain problem hand slow on the computer or whatever. Niles uh, appears as like a, as like, is he a ghost? Is he a hologram? And Cliff like freaks out. He's like, he says he came to ask a favor and, and Cliff's like, are you an effing ghost? And he, he's like, if you tell me to get a pottery wheel, I swear to God, <laughs> Patrick Swayze ghost. Um, Niles says that he thinks his spirit is trapped there because his body hasn't been dealt with properly. So he, he needs to be incinerated for his spirit to move on. And he figured like if anyone would enjoy burning his body, it would be him. And he tells Niles to go F himself. He's like, you think I'm going to help you get out of the house and live happily ever after? 
He's like, and shouldn't you be talking to your daughter? And Nile's like, how many times can he say goodbye? So it's best that he let her be. And Cliff's like, nope, I'm calling BS. He's and he says that you know he manipulated and destroyed the lives of total strangers for his sole effing benefit. And now he has a chance to say a real goodbye to his daughter. And suddenly it's not about him. He's like BS. And Nile says that he's like, oh, I forgot who I was talking to, Father De Year. And Cliff's like, he's like, hey, a hole. At least I own up to my mistakes. And Niles, he's like, oh, you're so full of poop. He asks him, he's like, you know, how do you want to be remembered when he finally oxidizes? He's like, you know, how do you want your daughter to remember you? And Cliff's like, warts and all. And Niles like, well, I guess that makes you a better man than I am. And Cliff's like, you took everything from me, chief, everything. He's like, and after it was all gone, the last thing I had was hating you. And now you're gone too. He's like, so what the F now? And Niles like, well, what about Clara? And Cliff's like, you know, he's like, I don't deserve to be part of Clara's life. And Niles like, he says that, you know, he shouldn't give up. He he walked the godforsaken rock for more than a hundred years. And he's learned that there's very little you can't recover from. He's like, sometimes you need help. He's like, which is why I sent the tape to Clara. He's like, I hoped it would mend things between them and answer all, all her questions. I also hoped it would mend things between us. And Cliff says that, you know, there isn't a single gesture in the GD universe that could fix things between them. But thank you. Rita's lying in her room. The phone rings. Larry says, uh, he's like, oh, it's your director. She picks up and she's like, before you say anything, he's like, there will not be a repeat performance. What happened? And he's like, I'll say my single line. I'll go home. And then her the manager, Mickey, says, like, it's good that you say that because the cast is relying on you. And then you hear laughing. The Saint Mickey, you saggy face freak. Don't show your disgusting blobby face in Cloverton again. And then um, then she hangs up and the phone plops back on the bed. Larry's lying in his bed. He's listening to an old tape. And then he starts hearing a woman talking than himself. His negative spirit is trying to say something or whatever. And Larry's like, no, whatever. It goes back inside him. And then he's like, the chief is dead. He's like, the cord that you know I've been clinging to for over 60 years is finally cut. He's like, every part of me is is telling me it's time to go. And he's like, Rita needs me. But then he, you know, he walks, if he walks away now, after everything they've been through, he's like, I'm sorry, I can't. But then it's like, did Rita hear him? Because she's like outside his room. So negative spirit wants to go do something, but he's saying that he can't leave even though he wants to. At Quorum headquarters, Vix X gets into a, an elevator and she has like a bag of C4 or something like that. Then the elevator stops and Vic's like talking to her through like the computer panel. And she's like, didn't we already do this? And he's like, he's like, you have a code and so do I. He's like, I can't live with letting you blow up a building full of people. And she's like, oh, so that's how it's going to be. I go to prison and the people who poison my body and pay me to do horrible things uh, on, on their behalf walks free and she's like that's not fair and that's not right and he's like that's why i'm giving you a two minute head start before i call the police and then she says that you know he doesn't want to become a name on her list but he's he's going to do this jane's sitting on on a car saying sorry um there's a puzzle in front of her she's like sorry and kay walks in with the lab so somehow she got out of her cage and she says you know thank you for bringing her harry and she's like you know he can help you too so harry's her lamb Jane says, she's like, I can't fix it. Everything's broken. And Kay says, she's like, I know another way. Cliff is calling uh, Clara and um, he's like, don't hang up. And he, you know, he wants to apologize. Clara says, she's like, I can't do it right now. She's like, I'm having an effing baby right now. So Dorothy's, uh, we see her sitting with Jane. She wishes she was awake now. 
she knows that you know she didn't always get along with her dad, but she knows that she did that he cared about her and Jane cared about him. And then we see Kay and Jane are out, out in the field and uh, they, they pull a tarp off an old biplane so it can get her up to the surface. Kay says they used it before she built the underground and she gets Jane gets in, looks at all control, engine starts up. Then Miranda, whoever, says it won't work. So she's like across the field and she tells Jane, she's like, you can't undo this. Like there, she's, I was like, I'm the true primary, whatever. And you know, Jane's just a coping mechanism. And Kay's like, she's not alone. And other personas start like walking up. Miranda says that you know she's forgotten. Uh, not only does she control her mind, but she controls her body as well. Jane can't save her. But Miranda can end her. And she's like, you can't win. And Jane's like, BS. And then the, the plane starts moving forward. And then the others start like walking. Miranda like makes like a gust of wind. It's like pushing, you know, it's just coming in. It's like trying to push them back. In the real world, uh, Jane's face is getting crackly. And she uh, wakes up and sees Dorothy. And she's like, hmm, if it is the little killer. And Dorothy's like, you're not Jane. And then Candlemaker's like, Jane is in trouble. And then, uh, she sits up when she hears, and she wants Dorothy to let out her pet, uh, Jane Miranda, whatever wants wants her. And she's like, "No," she's like, "I'm not fighting you." She's like, "You're, we're not hurting Jane." And then she's like, "Bummed." She throws Dorothy out of the room because she like slams against the wall in the hall, and she just like strolls out of the room, and she runs down. Um, Dorothy runs down the, the the hall, pounding at everyone's door. Jane's in trouble. Cliff is excited because he's gonna be a grandpappy. He sees Jane and he tells her, and I mean, he's like, "What the f happened to your face?" And she just like punches him, sends him flying back. Inside, um, they're still pushing back against the wind, and the personas then they get behind the plane and they start like pushing it. But it's like, why don't they just like try turning the the plane around and go in the opposite direction? I was like, would that work? Miranda, um, Miranda is getting ready to make Jane or whatever hang herself, so she's like down and she puts her like head on a noose and she's like standing on like one of those wooden spindle things the plane manages to go up uh miranda turns into this giant puzzle dude whatever and then jane flies like right through her uh jane makes it just as the body was about to step off cliff grabs her and you know pulls her down and she's like don't touch me and cliff's like oh she's back and then she looks at them and she hugs cliff and then the others gather around and hug her too and then she pushes them back because like too much you know she can't handle all that in the underground the others uh look at a pile of puzzle pieces and one says it'll come back it always does then they'll they'll deal with it in the meantime what did he do with the pieces jane picks up a piece and swallows it and Kay's like what does it taste like and she's like whatever you want Kay picks one up and eats it then the others start as well and they're laughing larry's sitting outside rita walks up and he asks if she's okay and she's like oh just peachy and she's like i'll be all right on my own and he's like no he's like you know he's like i need you too and she's like I'll always be here for you. And she's like, you know, maybe there's something to unlock. You know, it's time for him and his sparkly friend to go. And she's asked if he'll come back. And Larry's like, I don't know. He's like, it's not just up to me anymore, but I hope so. She says that she'll miss him. And he says he'll miss her too. They hug. Then uh, she talks to the energy and she's like, and I'll miss you too. And then they fly off. Cyborg is like listening in a phone call. Someone says, um, that, you know, it's like someone tipped Ronnie off or something like that because, you know, she got away. Cliff is holding his grandson and his daughter asks if he can feel him. And he's like, no, but I remember. 
and he's thinking back to holding Clara when he was a baby. Then his hand starts shaking, whatever, and he's like, oh, it's actually helped, you know, putting him to sleep. Larry's still flying, and then his bandages come off, and his skin looks normal. So it's like, I don't understand how that that's possible. Jane um, zips up Niles' body, and he's in a body bag. Put him in. He's in the back of his van. Dorothy goes inside. It's sort of like the psychedelic ambulance. So it's Danny, because um, the, the control says something, whatever. And Dorothy um, tells Papa, she's like, "We're going on quite an adventure." Rita looks at her face in a mirror, and then you know, plops off the bed. One week later, Rita's sleeping again or whatever. The keychain ball is like blink. There's like a red light in there. It's like blinking, and there's like some alarm going off. And she yells, "Is someone going to do something about that?" And then, you know, she sees a keychain. Um, she goes out in the hall. She follows the alarm and, and ends up in a library. There's a book that says, like, The Seeker or something like that. She starts pulling books off the shelf. There's a keyhole on the back, uh, back of the shelf. So she puts uh, the key in. The alarm turns off. There's, like, this old phone and, like, speaker or whatever. And it's, like, arrival imminent. And it's, it keeps, like, repeating that. And she's like, you've got to be effing kidding me. She reaches for the phone, but then... Her arm turns like rubbery. It just like plops to the floor. So she like reforms it, whatever. She reaches for it again, and it happens. Her arm falls again. Then the phone thing like clicks off, and then like the door closes. So she puts the books back on the shelf, and she's like, "Oh, I'm I'm sure it wasn't you know anything too important." At the Cloverton Playhouse, the audience loves the show, which was just like kind of kind of cheesy. Um, the actress playing Rita exits. She's happy. She's in the streets. And then the ground starts cracking. This big, big like, drill pod that has, like, three drills on it busts through the ground. And then uh, she she stupidly, like, walks towards it. This hatch opens, and this lady exit, and it, it's Michelle Gomez. So I don't know who she's playing. Okay, I just actually looked it up. because I, So I watched the first episode. Um, IMDb lists her as Madame Ro- Ro- Rogue. Rouge, Rouge, Rouge. Okay, I, my Doom Patrol history isn't like I'm not an expert, so I'm assuming she's someone from that. And I don't know if we're supposed to know who she is because uh, they haven't mentioned it. So uh, the hatch, so Michelle Gomez comes out, and then you hear zoop. She squats down, and I guess she poops. She asks the act- actress for her like her program so she can wipe, and then she asks where exactly is she and what year. And then she tells her, it's, you know, whatever, Cloverton, 2021. And she's like, well, that could work, I think. Then she asks if she happened to know where she could find a Niles Calder. And then um, then her face kind of changes a little bit. It's like she gets younger. And the act- actress kind of like freaks out, falls into the hole. <laughs> and, and then she's, she's gone. She's dead. And then um, Michelle Goldman turns back normal. She's like, um, she's like, I guess I have to find it myself. The drill pot thing goes back down in the ground and the ground like fixes itself. And then she's like, Niles Calder, I'm coming. And she just like walks down the street. There's like a mid credit scene or whatever. Uh, ghost Niles Calder is in like the, the dining room. And uh, there's, then you hear something. There's like some of those like sex ghosts like up there. Then the lady kind of beckons him to join. He's like, no, no, no. And then he's like, ah, oh, what the hell? So he starts like unbuttoning his shirt, but then he like gets transported away. And then New the Northern Yukon Territory, Will- Willoughby Kipling, the the kind of John Constantine wannabe guy, he's uh digging, and then he chopped off Niles' heads, 
and he's like, smile, Colder. The world isn't done with you yet. And he has like a bowling bag, so he's going to put his head in there. And that's where the episode ends. Um, episode 302, Vacay Patrol. It starts off in 1949, the Brotherhood of Evil. So I was so surprised. This is what I love about this show. It brings up these obscure characters. Some of them I have to know. So we get the Brain and uh, uh, Matt, Monsieur Mala. So the the talking gorilla with like the beret and like the the bullets ac- you know across his chest his chest and the brain is just like this robot a brain in a robot thing I never thought that I didn't realize that they had a Doom Patrol connection because uh, what did I see them in uh, I know they've been in like other I think they're in like the Brave and Bold cartoon I think they're in Teen Titans anyways. So the brain's talking that this moment in history is ours to do what we want. Niles Calder will be stopped. And then, uh, so Niles is, is building its new team, but it won't be enough to stop them. So then uh, Garguax, the decimator, is there to see them. So he has this, like, this like red alien has, like, this record player that's, like, on his strap that hangs around. He plays music and he announces, Gar- Gargamax, the decimator, the devourer of worlds. You know, it's this big introduction and this big dramatic music just plays, whatever. So the brain mentions that they need backup against Colder. And uh, so there's this device, like, in the suitcase thing, whatever. They'll give him a signal through this transponder or whatever. Then she must be eliminated swiftly and with severity. And then Garguax asks who's a target. So they show him a picture, and it's, it's a picture of Rita. So this is from back in 1949. Which I still never understood. How come no one aged? You know, okay, Cliff, his body was in a brain. Or his 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 brain is in the robot body. But Larry, I guess he doesn't age because of the energy, whatever. Rita, maybe she doesn't age because her skin or body, whatever. And then Jane's even... I think wasn't there like in 1980 something happened so it's like weird how no one ages and Niles is, is old so anyways um then uh Gargoax and so his announcer dude's name is is Samuelson they're driving to the Codsville Mountain Resorts and, and they have like a lot of weapons they contact the brain and they're like they're in no sign of the, of the target they'll be ready when she does show up or whatever until then they'll go completely unnoticed but he's green and has like this, like almost like a crown or whatever. And Samuelson's like red. <laughs> Samuelson an- enters a dining room with a record th- player thing. The dramatic u- music. He introduces Garguax. And all these people are like looking or whatever. So he just walks in. He sits at a table, whatever. And then it cuts to later. It's like he actually, he's hitting it off with the guests. Like telling jokes and they're laughing. And no one questions the fact that he's green. The, what's going on and everything like that. And then it's like week 87. Still no sign. And then, um, then week 143, 247, 292, 326, still no sign of this. Then Samuelson walks in with a newspaper, Brotherhood defeated by Niles Calder's Doom Patrol. And then there, there's like this dude and two women in pick. I don't know who they're supposed to be. And then uh, 1964, Garguax wakes up. Garguax Samuelson is, I don't know why I can't say their name. Samuelson is standing there. Cause I've been talking for too long now. Two and a half hours. Samuelson is standing there waiting, and then he just like rolls back over. 1971, he wakes up. He's grumpy. It's, then, then it's like week 2,189. Still no sign of the target. And then uh, they had a picture of Rita like stuck on a fridge in their cabin bungalow thing, whatever. He just like, 
he, he crumples it up, but Samuson picks it back up or whatever. Then we see, so they must be in a present now. Rita's eating Rocky Road ice cream. There's like several containers in front of her. She looks at the keychain um, thing. The mystery phone is ringing, whatever, but she doesn't go. She picks up the paper. Massive sinkhole discovered outside Cloverton Playhouse or whatever. Mysterious woman wanted for questioning. There's like a picture of Michelle Gomez because there must have been like there must have been a security camera or something like that because she's you can't really see her her full face or whatever. And then uh, she thinks about Niall's words. Uh, there are mysterious things in the world that the bear keeping an eye on. The alarm blares again. And then her hand starts, gets like very pudgy and her face starts drooping. And then she's like, oh no, she gets up. She pulls out this big like plant, like this kind of this little tree in this big pot. And then she steps in it and she just like melts. You know, So she stepped in there so she could be contained in this big pot. So good thing there wasn't holes in the bottom of the pot or whatever, like most pots have. And then uh, she curses Larry. She's like, where are you when I need you? Whatever. So out in space, Larry's like floating. I guess they're by like the negative spirits home or whatever. And then this energy starts surrounding him and like starts pulling him down. Then we hear a baby crying. Cliff um, comes down. He, he goes to the crib. He picks him up. Then Claire and her apartment, the, Claire and her partner come in. And uh, the partner basically says, like, you know, something like, you know, he's not going to learn to sleep through the night if he keeps picking him up. Um, Cliff's just like, oh, whatever, you know, something like that. Then Clara notices hands shaking again, and she asks Cliff's, but he, like, he changes the subject. Then uh, he's going to go out to get the mail. He's still, you know, and she goes, like, to reach for a baby, but he's, like, still holding holding the, the kid. Um, then Clara starts asking her partner, like, have you noticed his hand? But then they hear the baby start crying. So they, uh, she goes out there, sprinklers went off. And Cliff is like frozen. He like he can't move. And so she like takes the baby. Whatever. He's like, oh, it happens once in a while. Um, and then so they, they take the baby and they go inside. And then he's like cursing a stupid piece of crap robot body or whatever. Then we see um, some like communications between Agent B Johnson, FBI, and Agent K Jefferson, NSA. Cyborg's listening in on them as they talk about Ronnie. He starts talking to Grid about getting information on, on Ronnie when he asks for like your last known address or something like that. It initiates an emergency shutdown. His eye and his chest light—they're you normally red, but they're blue now, and he's confused. So he calls Silas, and his dad answers, "Let me explain." So Cyborg's like, "Explain what?" He's like, "Why I'm standing here calling from a flip phone that I haven't used since middle school." He's like, "What's going on?" Silas, so Silas says that his action had consequences. He says that Quorum sent Star Labs their security feed from a few days ago, there was, um, he had a cameo or something like that. Or he's like, he's like, this is bad. He's like, no matter excuse at the end of the day, cyborg, let a criminal go free. And cyborg's like, they can't just shut me down. And Silas, like you shut yourself down. And Silas says, he's like, you know, don't do anything to piss them off anymore. And he tells me, he's like, just lie low. Then, um, he hears Rita calling out. So he goes downstairs. She's asking for a little help. She's still in the pot. And um, she says it's just one of her episodes. And she says that, you know, she needs to get out of there, out of, uh, not just out of the pot, but out of the house. And she's like, you know, anywhere you look, it's Niles, Niles, Niles. So, you know, he's like, well, just, you know, take a walk or whatever. And she was thinking more like a vacation, like a proper vacation. And he's like, we, we can't go on vacation right now. He's like, you know, he's like, I have a lot going on. And she's like, really? Like what? And he just like kind of pauses and he's like, Okay, I'll get my laptop, and you know, because he doesn't want to answer the question. But then someone's like, "That won't be necessary." So Jane's dressed like you know, like a business suit. She has like glasses and stuff like that. And he's like, "You look like a," and she's like, "Secretary." 
she says that she's like, I can assist booking travel. And then her fingers like zipping over to like the keyboard. And then she books a Codsville mountain resort coincidentally. Cause she's like, it satisfies all the requirements. You know, she's like, you know, relaxing this and that, whatever is all inclusive. And then, uh, then cyborgs, like, are you coming? And she's like, Oh no, no, no. She's like, I'm saving my vacation days for a trip to Dollywood. Then he's like, but does Jane want to come? And she like, looks at him like she's a little perplexed and she's like i'm sorry jane is currently unavailable so jane um sees k close to the service look what are those things called like when you go to a bridge or some site place it's like the mounted viewing binocular things or you put a quarter in and whatever so she's like looking through one of those uh um and then she says that it's been a while since she's looked out and you know uh jane's like i don't know you knew about this place and she asks if she's okay Kay says, I was going to ask the same thing of you. So, you know, she's like, with well, Niall's gone. And, you know, she asks if she's sad. And Jane's like, it's it's complicated. And Kay mentions that she's like, oh, they're going on a trip. And Jane's like, well, then I'll just say bon voyage. And Kay's like a little bummed. Jane's like, what? Wait, did you want to go? And she's like, I, I think that we should. I think it might be good for, for you. Then Jane appears in his secretary, uh, you know, body, whatever. And she's like, you know, figure out where she is. She takes off the glasses. She's like, okay, I'm in. She's like, but you f rags better not ruin this. <laughs> so it's like, you know, she she can't be you know pleasant, which is that's what makes Jane so great. How she's just so like so brash. Um, and then uh, she turns around to leave, but then they're like, well, what about Tin Man? So Cliff is still stuck on the front lawn. He's like cursing over and over again. Clara comes out and he's like, oh, any second now or whatever. And then she's like, is there anyone that we can call? She asks if this has anything to do with his hand issue and. And she's like, you know, I'm not dumb. Because he's like, oh, it's probably just an electrical issue. And then she's like, Mel, so her partner, she's like, Mel's uh, Mima had a similar issue before she passed away. And she's like, it was Parkinson's. And Cliff's like, oh, that sucks. But, you know, last time I checked, robots don't get Parkinson's. And Claire's like, well, maybe robots with human brains can. He's like, I'm fine. And she's like, dad. She's like, I'm really happy we're in each other's lives again. She's like, I am. But if you're going to keep looking after Rory and driving my wife nuts in the process, I need to make, be sure it's safe for his sake. And also, I love you. So Cliff's like, oh, I love you too. Whatever. And Clara goes inside. Jane and Victor kind of like teleport like right in front. And she's like, we're going on a vacation. And uh, Jane has like this big bag. And Cliff's like, nice suitcase? And Jane's like, oh, it's not a suitcase. It's a sack of worthless crap. And Rita's inside. She's like, I heard that. And Jane's like, are you in or what? And Cliff's like, F yeah. And then he's like, uh, but can someone knock me on my ass? He's like, it usually loosens me up again. And Jane like chops the back. She's like, with pleasure. And then punches him across the lawn. And he gets up. He's like, oh, thanks, Hammerhead. Because it was Hammerhead that wanted to punch him. So they arrive at, at the resort. And they're like, oh, it's like a ghost town. Uh, there's a they're like well at least there's a lake there and, and cliff's like looking at pamphlet he's like but it says not to swim leeches gather at, at the lakefront then we see larry he's like in his human form and he's like in amazement looking at at the place it's like just colored cloud swirls and everything like that and then somehow burnt up larry walks up in front of him and larry like reaches out and touches his face and then his eyes like glow blue, and then Larry's hands start to change, like get you know, like purpley burnt or whatever. And then his face, and then uh, you know he looks around, and then he's back at at his room at the house, and he stands there, and he's like, uh, "Negative spirit release," but nothing happens. So, what just happened there? 
Um, so I don't know if Negative Spirit wanted to go home and then it got home and then it just somehow sent Larry back and left him on Earth while it's home. So cyborgs walk around with a flip phone trying to find like a, a signal. There's like there's he's like, is there Wi-Fi here or whatever? And Cliff's like, there's a payphone that it's like whatever you know, the rates, you know, how much it costs per minute. Then uh, there's this big pole with like a kind of like a ladder thing, whatever. It's called a back backbone thing. You're supposed to climb it and it tells you like, you know, who you are or something. You know, you figure things out. They talk about why. They, it mentions or it comes up that Vic is blue instead of red or whatever, and they talk about Ronnie. And Cliff says that you know Vic helped her because he loves her, and he's like, oh no, it's because she's a good person. She got dealt a, a bad hand and all the stuff like that. Rita's uh, still in the bag, and sort of sitting on a tail on a, on chairs. As she's sitting next to Jane. She tells Jane to unfurl her brow, and she's like, you can't even see me. And she's like, I don't have to. And she's like ask you know if she's going to relax at all on this vacation jane starts talking about how it's weird because she's supposed to be the one looking out for the other personas but even the girl Kay, is is looking out for her rita still can't reform herself but she says you know she's not in a hurry she's like even if the vacation doesn't help it's like at least you know it, it got us out of the house so they talk about uh chief being a rat bastard i, I, I forget who said like that's not fair to rats or something like that but then um Jane's like, you know, first he ruins our lives, then he just abandons us. And Rita's like, you know, thank heavens, you know, we're finally free from him, though. Cliff decides to go in a, in a sauna room because, you know, he's he's getting mad because I think Vic brought up about, you know, he should get his hand checked out and stuff like that. So he's just like complaining everything because, uh, you know, everyone's saying, well, just leave him alone. You know, everyone should just relax. Then a voice is like, it sounds like you're the one who needs to relax. So Garguax is still there. He's like, oh, I didn't realize, you know, someone else is here. So they, they talk about things and their, their past, you know, like being past beyond their glory days or whatever. And then they, they both, they're talking about different things and they're both like, F, Niles Colder. And then they're like, what? You know, they, they realize that they both hate Niles. In a dining room, they're sitting there and Garguax comes in, just says, hey, Cliff, whatever. And Victor's like a little concerned. You know, he's like, who is this guy? You know, that he hates Niles and it's like that. The others don't care. So then Vic goes up to him, introduces himself as Cyborg. Samuelson laughs, and he's like, "On our planet, Cyborg means fish effer." Vic, um, then he, you know, he goes back to the others. He wants to do something. You know, Gargoax was an enemy of Niles, so maybe they should do something for Niles. And Rita finally tells them about the key that Niles left. You know, alarm went off. Maybe someone needed help. She did the least heroic thing she, um, that she could. She went on vacation. She reforms. And uses the bag as like a dress. And she says that, you know, if she's going to be honest with herself, she might as well be herself. So she talks about being in obscurity. Victor um, still wants to do something. Jane's like, you know, we're not a super team or whatever. And Cliff's like, you know, he's tell he's just lay off the cyborg hero thing for a bit and enjoy the vacation. He mentions Cliff avoiding things. He's like, are you going to tell them or am I? And he tells the others, he's like, that he has a brain issue. He's not doing anything about it. And Jane's like, are you okay? And he says that he wishes everyone would just stop asking him that. He's like, he's fine. And, you know, he says before they ask, no, he's not going to get it checked out. Even if he wanted, the one guy who could is dead, remember? And he, like, storms off. Jane tells Cyborg he's back just because he's in the penalty box. You know, he wants them so badly to be Doom Patrol. And she's like, that's just not who, who they are. And he, then he's like, well, screw you, you all. 
And then Gargawax was like kind of like listening. He heard this. Samuelson is excited, so he's packing up. He says that as soon as um, he laid eyes on him, he knew something was amiss. He's like, this is it, my lords. Like, their time has finally come. And Gargawax says that he's like, we're done. He's like, it's over. And Samuelson said that he heard them mention Calder and Doom Patrol, and the woman is finally there. And Gargawax said, you know, Niles is dead, and the woman's a wreck. He's like, um, she's not going to be harming anyone. He's just, just leave her alone. And Samuelson's like, leave her alone. He's like, more than 70 years, you know, we've we've waited. It's like day after day after day. Now today, you know, we've waited for it. It's finally arrived. And you wish to do nothing? Gargoax says, they're nice people. And clearly no more beholden Niles than we are to the brain. Samuelson says, we can't just give up on the mission. And Gargoax says, it's like, we're not giving up on the mission. The mission gave up on us. So he thanks him for his service. He's like, it's time to move on. So Cliff's complaining. Then he's at the backbone and he starts climbing it. The others uh, are, you know, trying to do relaxing things. Uh, you know, there's like this little like labyrinth of like stones like on the on the ground. So Jane starts walking through that. Vic's still walking around looking for a signal. Rita ends up like in a pottery room and it's like she's trying to <laughs> she's trying to do pottery. Um, Cliff almost reaches the top of the backbone thing, but then he freezes. Cyborg is like frustrated, snaps his phone in half and like just throws it. Uh, Cl- Cliff on the backbone thing it, like falls over. Jane, um, she's in the middle of the labyrinth thing, just like kind of meditating. But then she's like, she sees Niles' wheel- wheelchair or whatever, but it's not really there. And she screams and she gets up. Larry at the house looks outside and he says that um, he thought that they were done with the bandages and special suits. He thought that you know they were in this together. So I think he's he's there alone. Um, then at the there's like a dance room. And then um, Forever Young by Alpha, Alphaville starts playing, which, which is like a totally 80s song. And then uh, they're all like drinking, you know, like Cliff's sitting at the bar alone and um, Jane's like on a couch and, you know, so no one's like talking to each other. Then Kay looks around, she hears the music and she starts dancing. So then Jane gets up and she starts dancing, just like a little dance floor thing. The others kind of see her or whatever. Kay's like and en- enjoying it and en- enjoying the, the the music, and uh, so Rita gets up and she joins Jay- Jane on a dance floor and they they start dancing together, and then Cliff gets up from the bar and he goes to the dance floor with them, and Cyborg's looking so and he finally gets up, so they're all like holding hands in a circle and they're spinning and the music's going, it's all happy and everything like that, and then Gargoax and Samuson are outside, they're like wheeling their stuff and you can hear the music going. You know, they're getting ready to load up the car. And then the transponder thing starts up. It's a signal. And then the, the drilling pod thing surfaces somewhere. Michelle Gomez runs out to... I think she was at the, the resort as well. Yeah, she, she, she's outside there. In the dance hall, Gargoax busts open the door. And he's like, run. And then he, like, falls over. Samuelson has this big, like, laser gun thing. And he like sh- he's, like, shooting at them. It's like this big light that comes out. Rita's about to go outside, but then Michelle Gomez is there, and her face looks different, and she's like, I'm sorry. She pushes her back in and puts, like, she kind of barricades the door by putting, like, a piece of wood in there so it won't open. Then they're all on, on the dance floor. They're all dead. There's, like, some blood, and they're just, they're like, that's it. That's how the second episode ends. Because then episode three, which I haven't watched yet, is called Dead Patrol. So... I guess they really are dead. That's the end, even though the season just started. So we'll have to wait and see what happens.
But I really like, I don't know if it's just that song, but it was it was a little emotional. I, I think because the show is so dreary and they're so miserable that it was like this moment of happiness and bonding, even though they all kind of hate each other or they don't really like each other. But it was just like this really touching moment. And then it got ruined because they all got killed. Okay, and now the movie feature, <laughs> which I didn't think I was going to talk about this. So it's Nightbooks. Uh, this is a Netflix show. And... It's uh well I I okay I did totally didn't realize this it was produced by Sam Raimi that's total I totally didn't know that but it stars Kristen Ritter that's the only reason I watched it I'm like okay Kristen Ritter was cool as Jessica Jones and I I think I mentioned this last week you know she was also in Breaking Bad and uh, that's I think that's all I've seen her in so I decided to check it out. It's uh, based on a off of a 2018 horror fantasy children's book um, by J.A. White, and was uh, so yeah. I didn't know anything about this and everything. Um, there are some things. So yeah, it's it's a children's book, and it's you. There are some elements of it where you can see that it's it is for kids, but it's um. It, it's doing pretty well, I think. You know, it, it was one of like the trending shows on Netflix, and I think uh, it it last time I checked, I think it was like at eighty five percent on Rotten Tomatoes or something like that. So it's pretty decent. Like I said, there there's some some kind of moments that are a little little cringy, a little eye rolling, but overall it starts off. So I, I'll start off, you know, with some of it but you know i won't go through it i won't spoil the whole thing um it starts off on halloween these parents are worried about their kid alex you know because they've never seen him this upset and you know, he said he'd never write another story again so we see him in his room he's like screaming he tears down like some horror posters and he uh, he gathers up like some fangoria magazines and other stuff and he says that he's gonna burn it all and then he hears his parents talking in their bedroom so he sneaks out of the apartment with some stuff in his backpack takes the elevator down to the basement but then it stops with like a thud on the fourth floor the door opens and it's 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 like of course like a dark hallway with like flickering lights that he's like hitting the button on the elevator won't move so he gets out as soon as he gets out the doors close and it you hear it moves so he starts walk for some reason he starts walking down the hall maybe he's gonna go for the stairs or something like that uh one door is open it's there's like a the doors open a crack and there's like red light pouring out there's a tv sitting like right by the, the door and the, I, th- I think it's the lost boys it was on it, that's what it looks like so he goes to leave but then he kind of goes back he he's, his eyes suddenly change and it's like he's mesmerized so he goes inside and then there's a, a piece of pumpkin pie like sitting on a tray so he takes a bite the door closes behind him and then he passes out so it's like, um, what were you thinking? He wakes up in this weird like bunk bed. It's it's like kind of cool because there's almost like a like a shutter, like a door, like that you can slide open. He climbs out, wonders where he is. He goes to the window and yells that he's trapped, and he like calls out his parents. And uh, he goes, he climbs out onto the fire escape. But as soon as he like, goes out, he like re-enters the bedroom. And he just like falls on the floor. And there's like this evil laughing or whatever. A woman asks, like, what's his name? And then there's a woman like in the shadows, like like kind of all over the place, like just darting around. So he turns around slowly and he sees a woman with a mask and it's, it's Kristen Ritter. So she says she wants to get this over with. She's a busy witch. Is he useful in any way? 
And um, she's she's wearing like a pink dress with like a black frilly coat, and she has kind of like grayish bluish hair or whatever, or it's kind of grayish hair. And uh, you know, is there anything special? You know, should she let him live? And she like levitates him up, so it's a little scary for kids, you know, because she's threatening to kill him. And then um, she comes, goes closer to him, and she's like, she says goodbye. He's like, I write scary stories, and then he like plops to the floor, and she's like, Did you say scary stories? And he says, yeah, I call them my night books. And she wonders, he's like, what are you doing out so late? And he says that he was going to burn them. And she's like, oh, then they must not be any good. He's like, no, no, they're really good and everything like that. And she says that she wants a scary story every night. Oh, it'll be the last thing he'll ever do. So he sleeps and he's woken up with a crash. And there's like this ball rolling around on its own in the bedroom. And then he sees like this hairless cat and he thinks it's cute but then it lunges at him and he has to like fling it off and whatever. Then it hisses and like disappears. So it, um, it jumps up on a light and, and it jumps at him, whatever. And then he falls against the door and now, um, the door opens and he's like in this like kind of long and twisty hallway. So he goes into the living room. There's like candy on a table and he's like, where'd the TV go? And then, uh, then he also notices like the front door is gone. So he gets scared because then there's this girl with like goggles in this other like hallway. And then she just like like rolls her eyes and she like goes into the kitchen. So her name is, is Yas- Yasmin. And she's not really friendly with him. And she says that uh, Natasha, which spelled with a C-H, N-A-T-A-C-H, is the witch. So um, that, that's her name. And he's, she says they'll, they'll only get peanut butter. Don't even think about eating popcorn because she'll notice if it's missing. The cat spies on them. It ratted her out over a couple of noodles that she ate or something like that. The apartment apparently travels all over the world, luring kids in. Because Alex says that he's from, you know, Brooklyn, from New York. And a girl said, that, you know, she she's like, I live in Washington, D.C., or I did before. And he mentions that she wanted scary stories. She takes him in this other room. It's like this humongous library, like several floors high. It's like just impossible like that it could exist like this. The apartment can do two things. It lures suckers like them in, and it has room to hold anything. So he's excited about all the books that she has. Um, Natasha apparently makes Yasmin read her story every night, and she says that she's read everyone in there. So it's like, that's crazy. And uh, she's going to want a scary story tonight. So every day he has to write as many as he can. He says that he's over it. He, he doesn't you know, do that. And he's, he's like, I know, you know she'll kill me. And Yasmin's like, you'll be lucky if she, if she killed you. So he claims that he's not going to write anything and that he's going to get out of there. So he packs up his, his backpack and then he's like waiting. Natasha comes in. And he's like he's like down the hallway. It's like raining outside. She has like uh, like pink pointy like sh- pointy shoulder raincoat whatever, and she left the door open. It's just like okay, that's weird. And and the outside doors, it's like it's not a hallway. It's like outside somewhere, and because you, you can see it's raining, so he waits until she passes and he runs to the door, and then it changes to a wall to the last second, and he like slams into it, and she's like every time she's like you all try to run. She's like there's no escape. Do you understand? So he has to tell uh, the first story. Um, it's called a playground, and uh, the the, the kind of it's a little weird. It looks a little different. There's this kid looking for his friend Jenny. He's on a playground, and there's like ghosts there or something like that. And then you know he tells the story. There's kind of a happy ending, and Natasha gets mad. So then he has to change it at the at the you know last second. You know she says that he needs to write more and faster. And then he finds um 
he finds writing in this other book in the libraries. He's like looking around from this other kid that was trapped there before. So there's this other stuff like that. And then at, it, it goes on from there. At one point, um, Yasmin asks him to help her in like the, the nursery and the, the plant nursery or whatever. And they have to like pluck these things. or And there's like these glob like from the plant. There's like these spider things in there. You have to like smash it. But one of them like, because if you drop the, the egg on the ground, then the, the spider thing comes out and it can like ruin everything or whatever. So these, these the spider thing is kind of scary. Uh, I mean, not really scary for like us, but for little kids. I mean, this thing is like I don't know if if kids, little kids, would get freaked out by this or whatever. And plus the fact that they're trapped, they're kidnapped, they're trapped. She's threatening to kill them and all this stuff like that. And because oh, like at one point, um, so they're wearing like a gog or like a mat face mask, or whatever. And like one spider. Uh, who was it? I think it was Yasmin was like all wrapped up or something like that. She got stuck in a web and a spider claw, like like trying to get in, like smashes through the, the mask, like almost like pokes like her, her eye out. And then what, what ends up happening? So they have to keep the other um, spider things escape. So they're trying to kill them all. One ends up escaping and it snuck into his backpack and it shredded all his night books. So that's where like all his stories were, and he's like he's he can't write anymore. So they're they're talking about you know they need to try to escape, but it's like can they escape and and also like that. We also we do end up finding out why he stopped writing, and uh, the why he stopped writing would make sense for like kids. They could probably relate to it. For adults, if you hear the stories, it'd be just like um, you need to get over it. I mean, yeah, that's a bummer. It happens, but for a kid, it's 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 like humongous. You know, little things are like it's the end of the world type of thing. You know that that's their whole world. It's huge things. So I won't go into anything more than that. But like I said, it's it's just you know they need to try to escape the witch and how can they do this? And you know we find out other things and everything like that. But it was a uh, so it was it was pretty good. I, I was surprised. I was really thinking. You know when I first saw. Uh, Kristen Ritter on her Instagram, and you're supposed to, I was like, oh, what's this? And then when I saw the track, I'm like, oh man, it's like, yeah, this isn't for me, but it wasn't as bad as I thought. And so, yeah, it is for slightly younger viewers. It wasn't like so cringy that you can't sit. I mean, I, I watched the whole thing and I may have looked at my phone a couple times here or there or whatever, but it, it was, it was pretty decent. And, um, Knowing that Sam Raimi was involved, you know that that's impressive. You know, which is probably why I was able to sit through it. You know, and didn't just like say forget it. So it's a pretty good movie. I was I was pleasantly surprised, but you know it is what it is. You know, it's it's not meant for everyone, but everyone can enjoy it if you have an open mind. And um, if you're not really into that, then you know maybe you 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 don't you know look into it, and you'll never know why uh he's he stopped writing but you can watch it and find out so it's on netflix you should check it out if you know you have absolutely nothing to watch um it was it was it was a decent movie i I thought and i think that is going to wrap up this week's episode because it looks like we're about at the three hour mark and that's that's where we've kind of been lately so i guess that's fine so big thanks, big shout out to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. And if you commit 
at the Rick Jones here or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. So I just recently talked about West Coast Avengers, Avengers West Coast, John Byrne run, 1989, a vision quest storyline. I think I'm going to talk about a movie next. And it's, it's kind of weird, coincidental that, Sam Raimi was involved with this movie because uh, maybe he was involved with this other one. But all I'll say is it was a movie that I hadn't seen up until just like a, a couple months ago. So that may narrow it down a little bit. But um, so that'll be uh, this week's uh, secret podcast that you can listen you can help the show out. You get more podcasts. But if you can't commit to a monthly commitment you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash man from heck and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or four and that is ko-fi.com slash man from heck so what's going to happen next week you know we'll have more why the last man more star girl more what if more titans um like i said probably t- the next two episodes of doom patrol i'm hoping they only drop episode four next week because if they don't, then I'm I'm just gonna be behind. Because I don't think I'll be able to do more than two. Um, uh, I don't know if I'll. Me- oh, I didn't talk about Star Wars Visions, and I don't really want to like edit and edit back that back in. I'll talk about. So I only watched the first two episodes so far. So I'll I'll try to watch some more and just maybe talk about that proper. I I really like the first one. I really didn't like the second one. So that that's your, if you're still listening at this point, if you didn't t- turn this off because it's the outro, there's your sneak preview of what I thought about the first two. Uh, so it, it is pretty cool to, to check out. But as far as next week, I don't know if there's anything else popping up. So the movie feature is going to be Venom, Let There Be Carnage. The Many Saints of Newark also comes out on HBO Max. I don't think I'm going to be able to watch that and everything else before I record the next episode. I do really want to watch it. I don't know if it's necessarily a podcast type movie. And I I don't know if that's insulting to other, what our podcast movies are. So I'll try to watch it and, and give you my thoughts on on that and so forth. Um, I was kind of hoping, (laughs) yeah, right. I was kind of hoping it's like, Oh, I should watch Sopranos before watching this. That's not going to happen. There's no way. Uh, but I do, I do want to rewatch the show at some point, but there's just too much to watch. So next week will be Venom. Um, maybe the following week I'll talk about the many saints in Newark, just super briefly. I don't think I'll go in that in depth because the following week is no time to die. Then we have Halloween kills. Then we have Dune. And then, uh, the last week of, of, of October, there's a, a few. There's um, Last Night in Soho, and I think Antlers is coming out. So I don't know if I'll be able to watch both of those that week or whatever. But um, that's gonna be it. So thank you for listening. I hope things are going well. I hope you're doing fine, and I hope you you're feeling all right. Take care of yourself. Yes, yeah, some people say wear a banana hammock. That might make you feel better. I don't know. I've never tried. But I hope you're doing well. Do your best. Take care of yourself. Try to have a good time. And make sure you remember to be good to each other. 